Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I'm your co-host, the uncanny Dayspring. And I'm your other co-host, the adjectiveless Flinkman. During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production offices. Listen, I've had it with you. Can't you just (laughs) be happy that she's back from the dead? No. The metaphor's still there, Mm -hmm. but also when you make things explicit, you have all this new room for story. To begin the series with Magneto. Okay, that's his point of view, but he, he might not be wrong. You know, and right. Xavier's got his point of view and he might not be yeah. wrong. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and, and, and very kind and really just such a, you could tell his aura, he had such a huge heart. I love Doug Ramsey so much. I cannot open up this issue. The cover has me so nervous. You know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be or weird. You could, but we'll that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her even more, you know, the girl next door that everybody could talk to. Dazzler, who is so hidden in the current DOX books that even Kylie Minogue isn't worried about copyright infringement. Folks, we have a special episode today because a couple months ago, Madeline Pryor returned to the X-Books after we last saw her in Brian Wood's 2013 run where she was just resurrected and then left swearing she'd be creating her own sisterhood again. And we didn't see or hear from her since. Her grand return in Hellions was heavily promoted for the Dawn of X titles. And we were all excited to see her return and how Madeline would fit into the Hickman era where there is a huge focus on the Summers family. Well, it turned out to be a false start because Madeline was killed right off the bat and she did not enter the resurrection protocols because she is a clone of Jean Grey. Mm -mm. So this all feels wrong for a character like Maddie who has historically been mismanaged from an editorial perspective. Her death didn't feel earned in the story and it felt like it was a quick way to resolve Hellion's first arc. What's more, in the age of resurrection, her death shouldn't be permanent, but it's the only one that is. Even characters who died in other world have entered the resurrection protocols and those deaths were supposed to be permanent. It's insulting. Yeah, I mean, Madeline is definitely one of this podcast's top favorite characters in the X universe, and it, and it absolutely is insulting. You know, we are are definitely insulted. I, I'm certainly insulted. And I mean, despite the fact that I'm the co-host of a comic book podcast that likes to pick things apart, usually all in good fun, uh, it takes a lot for a comic book to actually upset me. And oh boy, did Maddie's death and uh, mo- most especially her subsequent dismissal of her, her very existence as an individual um, actually really, really upset both of us. Um, so I think an airing of grievances and a celebration of who the character actually is, is, is totally warranted. So we didn't want to be the only fans discussing this. We've assembled the Maddie Stan community for this very special episode of Justice for Maddie. Guess, do you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Regina. I am the co-host of the House of X podcast. Um, I'm a huge Maddie fan. I've been a fan of Maddie since I was eight years old, and I'm really, really excited to be here today. My name is Mike Brower. I am someone that you have never heard of before so until today. So <laughs> uh, Air Force guy here. And, you know, I've always loved Madeline Pryor. She, to me, is just one of my, you know, 
top uh, five characters, and I am just so honored to be here to talk about her. So thank you for having me. And then, of course, the final member of our Justice for Maddie panel, you might recognize from our recent WandaVision special, or you might not, because she's got totally new hair today. It's the fabulous Demanda Martini. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, you also have no idea who I am. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm Demanda Martini. I'm a, a cosplayer, drag performer, uh, theater artist uh, in the D.C. Uh, area. Uh, I am the hostess of the Eleanor's New Deal Cabaret, a former Captain Green Lantern uh, of LGBTHQ, and the co-founder of Con Queens, which is uh, a, a little organization where we help promote drag artists who love cosplay. Yes. Wait, Regina, can you give your podcast tagline? Because I love it. And we recorded an episode where I made you repeat it like 500 times, but my <laughs> laptop malfunctioned, as did with Demanda. And uh, I was going to say, be, be, be careful, Mike. We, we, we've got, there, there's a history of, of uh, laptop issues and we get these two together. <laughs> so Regina, please, for All us. All right. I would be more than happy to. So this is how I usually say it. Um, where we're just a fanboy and a fangirl fanning around talking about the latest issues about our favorite merry band of mutants. Yes. yes. Fanning around. Oh my God. And listeners, <laughs> she brought it out. If I mean, you're listening to this on podcast, Demanda is jumpsuit Madeline with the Paul Smith hair and she just whipped out her fan. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Demanda, this I gotta say. I got to say, I've been anticipating your look since you said you were going to do this, since we kind of all pretty much voted, you know, do the jumpsuit. And you just look so fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, she woke up like this. I, <laughs> she did. I mean, honestly, I was almost in like half drag when I rolled out of bed this morning. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I, I, I was going to do two Madeline Pryor looks. Um, last week, I, I already did um, the Red Queen uh, from from some of her latest incarnations, because um, she can't do the underboob. I'm sorry, these are foam. Uh, it is not it is not something that 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 can happen. Um, and also, it's not my favorite look, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but flight suit Maddie uh, was how I was kind of introduced to her, and well, again, we'll talk about that in a minute. So it's always been one of my favorites. I love that. And Michael, you did a variant of the Dodderman cover of Jean Grey, but you did Madeline for it yes. with all of our various looks. Can you walk us through your inspiration for that? Why did you elect to do that? Well, you know, because I was so excited to um, hear that Madeline was going to be, uh, or at least, well, when she appeared at the very end of Hellions issue one. And so I started that piece Oh God, it was probably like back in June of uh, last year. And it took me like 50 years to, to finish it up um, just because with the job and kind of just doing other things off and on. Um, but I really loved, you know, what Russell Dodderman did with the uh, Jean Grey variant cover. And I really wanted to do something like that, you know, for Madeline, because as you said, that she just had all these looks and just um, all these incarnations. And I just, I just wanted to kind of do something similar. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to just pull the piece together, do it, see how it comes out. And yeah, there, there it is. So well, it more than came out. It is, it is a, a work of art. And I believe, oh, thank you. I believe Russell may have actually either, he either shared it or he commented it. Cause I, I, I came to see it through, through him actually. And uh, I think did. 
I think you did a, a poll. Someone did a poll. Maybe it was even us. I don't know. It's been a long quarantine. Uh, but we did. It was uh, his Gene cover versus your Madeline cover. And obviously, I, I love Russell, but, but I got I to gotta give the edge to you. That, that Maddie cover was, was something else. And you incorporated like <laughs> even the most obscure of her looks. And I'm always down for a little obscure Maddie. So I have to say, there was one other, uh, I, I wanted to kind of finish off, because if you remember, there's an issue where she was taken by the Genotians and they're doing all this like, kind of mind torture with her. And yeah. there's an issue where it opens with her as a little girl picking flowers. And I wanted to put that in there too, her as a child with a yeah. flower in her hand. And I just I just lost time you know, with it. But I was like, ah, I wanted to kind of just finish up with that. But yeah, no, I'm so glad that it got such a great, um, you know, or a good, good reception and I'm glad that people liked it. So thank you to everyone. <laughs> Demanda mentioned, you know, earlier that the, the Paul Smith Maddie costume was, was how she, you know, first saw Maddie, how she was first presented. So I, I I'm real curious to learn uh, from, from each of you um, when you first read about or learned about uh, Maddie and what your first impressions were. And uh, for this one, I'll throw it to Regina first. Well, um, my dad was a huge X-Men fan when I was pretty small and he had a box of comic books that I wasn't allowed to look through. So of course I looked through them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and one of the top uh, comics was the Inferno cover where she's got baby cable and she's holding him, you know, over her head. And I was just fascinated by that concept because I, I had always, even when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a mom and I loved my mom. My mom um, gave a lot to our family, but um, here's this concept of this woman who has this baby and she's just like, fuck this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm and, sure is relatable for, for a lot of mothers out there. <laughs> Sometimes. She's, she's very sexy and I started having feelings like, wait, what's happening here? Uh, <laughs> That was my very, very first introduction to Madeline. I didn't read the book because I didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> and I was just looking at the covers. But um, later on, when I started reading X-Men on my own as a young girl, um, I kind of came back around to her and still fascinated. Like just this concept that she had this entire life that was manufactured and then she had a new life that wasn't manufactured. And then all of it was taken away from her. Yeah. And she had no agency. And just exploring that philosophically, I think, was just really interesting to me. I yeah, love that. Definitely. That's so definitely. beautiful. I never even thought about it like that, that she did have a real, I mean, I knew she had a real life, but that it was robbed from her. Yeah. And out of everything that was fabricated for her, that was actually tangible. Yeah. What about you, Mike? My uh, intro to her was, um, of course, you know, through, uh, you know, the character Jean Grey. I, um, Blinkman, you might cover your ears, but she is my favorite, favorite character. I absolutely am a, She's a god uh, queen of the X-Men universe. She is. She is. Uh, Jean Grey has just, you know, always been a very important part of my life. And so I had gotten the Dark Phoenix saga as a gift and read through that. And I really wanted to know more about her. And that's when I came across, you know, Madeline Pryor. Um, I had seen in my um, local bookstore, they had the Inferno trade uh, with uh, Rick Lenardi uh, art on the, on the cover. And I just found her so fascinating. Um, and like Regina said, you know, here's this woman that just had this kind of manufactured life, you know, programmed to fall in love with Scott and just um, to pretty much just be this kind of 
vessel to breed this ultimate mutant. Um, and then that's it. And she just, she was a woman that I just felt such sympathy for that, you know, you have this life and then it gets ripped from you and just everything like it's just such a, a Jenga effect. Everything just falls right apart. And, but at the same time, like I said, she was just so fascinating and I just really just fell in love with her character and, you know, someone that I just really, really just wanted to have a happy end. I mean, she just deserves it so much to kind of just get off this, you know, trope of just absolute hate and vengeance. And so, but so, yeah. Yeah. Tell that to Zeb Wells. Oh, I know. <laughs> We've tried telling it to Zeb Wells. He won't, he won't get back to us. Remember He's I, now blocked and reported you. Like, <laughs> we tweeted, we tweeted at him and he was here like, do you think it was fun to do that to her? And I was like, Hey, why don't you come on our podcast? <laughs> well, I did as well. I, I put out there on Twitter too. I had the, uh, the image of her, the end of Hillions one. And I just said something like, you know, hey, justice for Maddie. Come on now. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Well, really. well, what about you, Miss Paul Smith, 2021? <laughs> <laughs> so um, an early story that I read um, and I kind of talked about it, uh, you know, the last time I was, I was on here was Fall of the Mutants. And she really didn't do a lot in that story. Like she was there, but like she really didn't get to do a lot. Um, she does give like a really good impassioned speech to I think it's the cameraman character who's kind of like following the X-Men around where she's really like, yeah, I'm just a human, wink. Um, but she's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I, she's like, I'm just a human too. And, but you know, this is about us fighting for people who don't have a voice. And I, I think she even um, says that she's paraphrasing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, she's still, she's like the voice right here. Um, but like, I mostly knew her because favorite character is Dazzler. And when um, Spiral puts the destiny mask through her face, which by the way, I didn't get to say it last time, but when I did like my very first cosplay of Dazzler, I did make a destiny mask with it. <laughs> it's pretty fucking sweet. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so then Maddie becomes her eyes for her and like helps uh, walk Dazzler around, even though Psylocke is right there and can just like <laughs> do that, right. but, Come on, you know, whatever. Um, but um, so like to me, when I was first introduced to her, because I didn't know like kind of any of like her backstory yet. Um, and I'm talking like canonically in like the timeline of like when yeah. things were revealed, didn't know anything about her. So I was like, oh, she's probably just another one of like their human friends, like Moira or Stevie Hunter or mm -hmm. you know, like one of these other people. So I was like, oh, I, I don't really know her. Um, but then it wasn't until... Um, <laughs> Later, um, and again, we've talked about this, like collecting the trading cards. I got the Inferno card and I was like, wait, why is she still mad? Like, what? <laughs> like, 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 what is this? So, um, but I mean, but like Maddie to me is such like the true definition of a tragic character. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was literally made for the sole purpose of having a baby. Like that was literally all she had. So like, she had that like in the back of her mind being like, need to find man, need to have baby. Um, and, 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 and after that, she is so desperate to prove that she is more than that. She is more than just a walking uterus. And um, for her, it's like the, the trauma of being left by Scott. Cause li literally he got a phone call saying Jean Grey's alive and he's like deuces. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and so like being left by Scott, literally being attacked by the marauders and almost killed and her baby being stolen. And she is just like 
trying to make choices on how to like best survive and navigate this thing. And when she sees Scott and Jean, like that, that's another image that's kind of like emblazoned in my mind is when she's like on the computer monitors. Cause that was like her job. Yeah. Uh, when they, when they went to the Outback was to like monitor the computers. And when she sees Scott and Jean on the thing, like she gets pissed and I'm just like, girl, same. Because also <laughs> right. I don't think Rightfully at, so. uh, up until that point that she'd really ever seen Jean. I think she'd seen like some pictures that Scott had in like the house or whatever, which is also fucked up. Um, but like, she's like, oh, that's my husband. And that bitch is me. Oh shit, no, that's not me. That's that other whore. And just like, it's super fucking pissed. And, I, and it's just like, at that point, yeah, I want the whole world to burn too. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that when Chris Claremont originally introduced Madeline, she wasn't supposed to be a gene bot. It was supposed to be reminiscent of that Hitchcockian idea that your dead lover has some someone else looks like your dead lover, but they're very much their own person. And somewhere along the way, editorial was like, no, we're going to make her a gene gene club. Because they brought back Gene and they like literally had Scott ditch in an order to make Scott not be a giant fucking asshole and just like kind of an asshole. Yeah. They needed they needed to make Maddie bad in order to then yep. make it make it fine that he left her. Let's ask about her death in Hellions recently. And how did you all feel about that? And I'm gonna kick it off to you, Regina. Well, disappointment is not the best word because I was mad. <laughs> I was just like, okay, first of all, she's not even killed in like a heroic way. She's killed by a bullet. And regardless of my feelings for Grey Crow now, um, that's just not how it should have gone. And I don't know what, and I'm not knocking Zeb Wells because I know that sometimes writers are constrained by what mm-hmm. editorial wants and what Marvel at large wants, but damn, you couldn't give her something different than that. (laughs) You know, I mean, her zombies could have turned on her. There's like a hundred ways you could have done this. And to get taken out like that and so fast. And I don't know, I was was upset. I was disappointed. I was just like, you know, what was the point of hyping all this up if she's just going to be gone again two minutes later? Exactly. That's Um, exactly how we feel. Yeah. Um, But I did find you know, her parting words to be just so tragic, just like, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm still mad about it. I mean, obviously I actually do love Cyclops and Jean Grey and whatever, but damn it, th- give Maddie something better than what she's been given. She's just been given a shit pie for mm-hmm. so long. Yeah. Like, come on, this woman deserves peaches and sugar. <laughs> Literally her whole existence. Literally her whole existence. Yes. Michael, how did you feel about her death in Hellions? Oh, oh my God. I was just so pissed off. I mean, seriously. I mean, okay. So like we read, you know, that sinister secret about the redheaded pretender and holding secrets. um, And wouldn't everybody be surprised that, you know, she wasn't really dead, you know, whatnot. And I think what really just angered me the most is, you know, you know, she was brought back in 2013 during Brian Woods, you know, you know, run. And she just, and she goes, she goes away. Link has a lot to say about that. <laughs> I no, do. I mean, we'll get she, to it. Yeah. She, you know, says, you know, to storm, you know, I'm going to form my own sisterhood. Watch your back. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, Storm's probably just like, okay, you know, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's yeah, it's like she's gone for was like six, seven years, and then we see her again at the end of Hellions, and she really, I just wanted to see her like really do something, and she's, they just had her there talking to Havoc, you know, getting all s, you know, uh, s and m here with him against the wall, looking like she's going to just you know like f him pretty much right then and there <laughs> i mean she did it before she's gonna really? do it again I, mean, I, got, I got you chained honey let's go <laughs> so, but it's just but like regina said the way she went out was just like that and it just it pisses me off because really rooney had really three issues of her and mm-hmm. and that was it and it just and it makes me mad too how the whole resurrection issue how they just kind of just denying it to her because she's a clone. She's still, I'm sorry. She's still a human being. She's a woman. You know? I have so much Jesus. to say about that. Like, right. come on. She gave birth to your child, Scott advocate for her. Yeah. And I hate that, that, you know, the cry council. And Get I like, angry. and I Get angry. I, I, oh, I am. I'm so pissed <laughs> yes. that right now because and I hate, and I, I like to think that not everybody at the quiet council voted. No, I like to think that Jean Grey at least said, Hey, you know, because she fought so hard to save her before, sure. you know, she did, you know, during the end of Inferno, she's like desperate, Maddie, please live, please live. And Maddie's like, no, not in the same world as you. So I'd like to at least think that she advocated for her, but it's like, come on. And she, she, I just want her to come back and just be taken away from that. You know, I'm, I'm mad, you know, you know, yeah. and give her just something good. Put her on the team. Let her be their, you know, resident telepath, and just give her something different. I mean, just evil trope. It's just to me, it's just tired. Like yeah. it's twenty twenty one. Women <laughs> are more than just vengeance now when it comes yes. to yep. Let's just move on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you you brought up a good point, Michael, and I uh, about Cyclops. I sometimes I wonder whether he even remembers that it wasn't Jean Grey <laughs> who gave birth. To, to Cable because exactly. he, yes. he he pays Madeline dust all, all the time, all the time. He has, Cyclops is is right on almost everything he has done for mutant kind. Right. But he is absolutely wrong for the way that he has treated Madeline. He is always. terrible. He is terrible at making decisions in his own personal life. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, oh, I, I hate not that. the read he's, there, Demanda. Yeah, yes. he, he, he's always one of those people where, um, and, and I, I feel like we all kind of know these people where it's like, professionally like they're on top of their game yeah. they know the things but in their own personal life they just can't make a good decision yep. like um but so like kind of in like cyclops's defense but not really because yeah. <laughs> but but like remember then at x factor um like maddie lived inside Jean. like yeah. she had all the memories of everyone so she knew all of that time that she spent with scott and so to him he's like oh well it is just gene now because yeah. because gene because scott is Again, a very type A compartmentalized checklist person. So he's like, this is done, check. She has those memories, she yep. gave birth. And then we got sent to the future and raised the kid. So it's our kid, done, And yep. end of list. Um, I mean, he pretty much literally gave Madeline the equivalent of leaving the post-it note on her laptop and being like, <laughs> like he literally such an asshole. So 
Kind of I like think that's back. the first X-Men Sex in the City reference we've made on this podcast. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. <laughs> um, so He's such a burger. Cyclops would be a burger. He would he, be. He, <laughs> is. he, he is. is. Totally. Um, so I was really hoping for more of a redemption arc because mm-hmm. that's what that title seems to be offering for yeah. all of these other characters, like yeah. something new for them. Um, although I still don't understand why Empath is blonde, even though he's like from South America. But uh, right. <laughs> again, neither here nor there. Um, and also like, it's like, uh, Grey Crow, you couldn't have shot her the first time that you tried to kill her. Like your, your amazing sharpshooter powers didn't help you then, but now all of a sudden you can shoot people. Listen, Stormtrooper, like go, go, go to the back of the room. Like, uh, yeah. like that, like that kind of pissed me off that it's like, he's literally missed her how many times? And right. now all of a sudden you can, you can actually shoot something. Right, and I think that that is especially especially frustrating that that it's Grey Crow that kills her because he's getting this really rather nice kind of redemption arc in in Hellions. Um, He's a totally evil character. He's killed, murdered dozens, hundreds of characters. He he has had a very slow burn redemption since the Utopia era. Yes, yes. A very slow burn redemption. And it's, it's nice, like I kind of like that. Um, and, but, but, and, and again, that's, that's kind of what Hellion seems to be like taking these characters that have, um, you know, not been the best, but have like kind of the potential to be better, yeah. except for Empath. <laughs> oh, he's just um, a prick. He's such, <laughs> such a prick. But they play such him when you, when you read yeah. the book, they play him like totally as a straight up asshole. Exa- yes. They play him which so is, well. Which is great because exactly. they should. Um, so, I mean, and we can kind of talk about it later. I'm still not convinced that the Maddie that we've been seeing throughout all of this time has been Maddie. Okay. Like, like, okay. like, like, all, like all of these other, like, like the one, like the sisterhood one, like all of that. I'm, Which I'm, version? <laughs> Which exactly. Version? Like, like, I'm, I'm kind of un- unconvinced. So it's been questioned several times on on panel, like her death. Like there have been in other books that have been going on. Yes, I've read them. Um, uh, um, but like other characters have totally been like, so wait, how come she's not getting resurrected? Like we don't understand. So I still think that there's hope for her actual return because there seems to be like these other characters that are getting things. But like, I am not a Honey Badger fan. I'm really not. (laughs) Like, like, as I said recently in one of the House of X posts, no more Wolverines. I literally don't need a single Wolverine more. Like, (laughs) absolutely not. I don't need any more. But she is super cute, so I get it. I mean, I also don't like Jubilee. So, you know, whatever. Well, and I Um, think you're referring to the fact that in New Mutants, uh, the relaunch with Vita, they mention um, that the reason why Madeline wasn't resurrected wasn't necessarily because she was a clone, was because she did bad things, which I... Well, well, but, 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 but then Honey Badger's like, um... Um, so, so are we not resurrecting clones? It's just like, oh, sweet baby, like, <laughs> sweet, sweet bebe. Like, sweet it's just like, oh, so cute. Um, because, because also, I'm just like, I don't know. The Stepford Cuckoos seem to be cool. We got all right. five of them. Oh back. my god! Yeah, well, that's oh exactly god. it. What I'm inferring from everyone here right now is that we all expected a lot more from Hellions. Yes. Yep. And all the hints that we were getting about the great redheaded pretender that was not Wanda. And that was so clearly Madeline. And then she comes back in Hellions and then is absolutely forgotten about once more. So I wanted to pose a question to all of us and 
Flink and I will kick it off because we feel really strongly about this. Why does a justice for Maddie conversation even have to happen? And for me and Flink and I have kind of talked about this and we agree on it. Madeline, there are characters like Madeline that are put in the fridge to give rise to a male hero. And female characters, Regina, as you said, are more than just vengeance. And yet we're still in 2021 seeing them pitted against each other, marginalized, wronged, and dismissed as evil, crazy, without giving any context for her actions, all while being fetishized. And characters like Maddie are more than these kind of cliches and worthy of panel times that we feel doesn't need the male gaze. And it infuriates me in particular when you see writers or even fans pitting Maddie or Jean against each other because these women are a victim of Sinister's genetic fetish. They shouldn't be arguing over the affections of Cyclops. Look, I I love me Cyclops. I love me a Boy Scout. However, these women have far more rich stories and Regina, I'm going to pose a question to you of why do you think we need to have it? Because you said something so interesting at the beginning of this episode, which is there was so much philosophy behind Madeline. And I agree. When you look at Madeline, what makes her interesting, I think why all of us pulled that thread with Maddie was because of the ideology behind what happens if you're a clone? What if that life you created for yourself is stripped away? So I'm curious, why do you think we need a Justice for Maddie conversation? Well, one of the things that has really struck me over the years is that before Maddie was seduced, because that's exactly what happened, she was not given agency when she became the Goblin Queen. She was given this dream that, you know, this is something that you should be doing. And she was enticed into it. She didn't know that she was actually making that actual choice. It was just a dream. It was just a, you know, something that was, that was going on that didn't amount to anything. Well, if you're having a dream, I mean, I, I have very, very um, vivid dreams and I don't do any of those things in real life, but you know, in my dream world, I'm just doing whatever I want. I don't have any consequences. So she was enticed into this goblin force not even being aware that there was going to be those types of consequences that she was going to be used by the goblin force um, to be turned against her friends, to be turned against her baby. And up until that point, she had been a good mother. She was the one that was still looking for cable. Nobody else is looking for baby cable. She's the only one that's like, my baby is fucking missing. Somebody please help me. And the X-Men had been, I mean, truly like probably one of the most moments of disappointment that I have is with Storm because like Storm you took Maddie in as a friend and she gets taken over and corrupted by the Goblin Force and then you're just kind of like eh like what the hell (laughs) he helped you guys she was your tech support she was her own fully formed person and you just kind of just like okay she's you know when Jean Grey turned into Dark Phoenix what did you do? You fought for her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. do that for Maddie. Why? I mean, preach. preach. And, and I want to see Jean Grey. I want to see Jean Grey to help reset a password for the X-Men. Like, come <laughs> on. But yes. Um, so again, you know, and then she, she died and she came back and she's kind of been back and forth and still with this spirit of vengeance, which is not unjustified as far as her feelings about the X-Men. Like, you know, even now we've got this new Krakoan age. Apocalypse has 
murdered how many mutants, not people, mutants, Sinister himself has just done just the most horrible shit. And they're given a seat on the quiet council. This woman wasn't even invited to the party. She's like the bad fairy from Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. There's a justification for her being pissed off because she should have been invited and she wasn't. So yes, I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to have my little magical spells. I'm going to be making these zombies and I'm going to send them after your ass because Mm -hmm. what the fuck, you guys? Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, speak- no, it's great. Yes. I'm speechless. <laughs> I mean, get it. <laughs> I just want to let everybody listening or, or watching know right now that we are recording this on Sunday morning, and Regina, <laughs> you just took us to church. <laughs> yes. Amanda, Demanda, why uh, do you think we need a justice for? So Maddie? okay, so so to kind of like track back a little bit, like I wasn't necessarily like upset by your death because I was because it's like. No one's dead. How many times has she died? Like, like I'm not. I'm like, you know what? It's it's gonna happen again. Like later. Like whatever. But it's the fact that there was an off-panel discussion about her. Yep. Like yeah. totally off-panel about resurrecting her, and it included some of the worst people ever. Like again, we're talking about Apocalypse, Mister Sinister, Mystique. Like Mystique. these are some of mm-hmm. the worst people ever. And 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 she gets denied because she is. A clone. So number one, number one. How many times has Xavier moved into a new body? Yep. How many times? How many times? And this is before Krakoa. This is like Brood Saga. Yep. Like, I mean, there's a debate to be had that they're all clones now. Yeah. And exactly. like, and, yeah. And also Magneto. How many times has he been like de-aged, re-aged, whatever, whatever? Like, I mean, there's no way some 90-year-old man is that hot still. Like, <laughs> like that's daddy. Like, that white costume. Mm. Yeah, girl. And I'm still not even <laughs> sure whether or not Apocalypse and Sinister really count as mutants anymore because of all of the genetic manipulation that they've had through exactly. the celestials and all of that stuff. I mean, and honestly, was Sinister ever a mutant to begin with? Or was he just a product of of DNA manipulation? So it's like, ma'am, with your big, big flowy cape and all your fun reads and the Quiet Council, I don't think think you can sit with us. Yeah, I don't think that you can sit with us. And I think it's addressed in House of X that he is, one of his clones is a mutant and that's the Sinister we have. And it was because they were manipulating Thunderbirds DNA. Sure, Jan. Um, so, <laughs> like, like the thing, like with him, it's like, it's like I understand, like he's the, uh, he's a necessary evil to have on Krakoa because of all of his genetic yeah. research. Like, I understand, like that Absolutely. part, but it's like I don't think he should be able to get to speak, like at stuff. And yeah. and again, it just all it just all seems to spare Gene and Scott's feelings. Yep. And no. Let them fucking sit in it and deal with it. Yeah. Like they, it is a conversation that needs to be had with everyone. They all need to sit down in that fucking summer's compound on the moon <laughs> and just talk it out. Like, let's talk about the, you know, the genocide that uh, little brother Vulcan did. Let's talk about the genocide that Gene fucking did. Let's talk about all the people that Cable's killed that Rachel's killed. Let's sit down and talk about it and realize that we're all fucking terrible. We're literally <laughs> one of the worst families in X-Men history. We're all terrible. So let's talk about it and hug it out and, and like, you know, be better. 
Like once you know better, do better. But they, but they're yeah. just like, no, thank you. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Michael, why do you think we need a justice for Maddie conversation? Well, well you know, to and Regina, you, you took the words, you know, um, you know, right oh, in my yeah. uh, right in my mouth because no, and I and I completely agree when you said you know about the X Men not you know fighting to save her and how they did with Jean Grey, you know, when she was fighting the Dark Phoenix uh, within herself, and it just to me it's so hypocritical. You know, I mean, it's like you said, this was her, this is their friend. This is a woman that aided them when they needed, when they needed her. And they just pretty much left her hanging. Like, okay, she's evil. We got to kill her. Um, but it's funny because then I think it's after the whole Inferno when Storm says something like, oh, Maddie was just another victim. Like, no shit she was. Why didn't you try to, you know, help? Why didn't you try to save her? I mean, why do you now acknowledge that she was just another victim you know, and not try to do everything in your power to bring it, just calm her down. You know? Because editorial told her not to. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, but I think, you know, we need a justice for, you know, Madeline because she, she's, a, she's just a woman that was just given such a bad deal at life from the get-go. You know, yeah. I mean, she, she really was. She really had everything against her and, and she didn't even know it. And that's, I think it was very heartbreaking um about that you know here she she thinks she's born into the world you know she grows into this woman a charter pilot she meets um she meets scott summer cyclops you know she falls in love with him and i i got look i gotta give madeline some you know credit here because let me tell you this if i was seeing someone and they said oh by the way here's a picture of my ex who just died and I see this and I'm looking right at them, looking at the photo and think, oh, this person looks exactly like me. I'd be like, well, here you go. Have a great life. I'm out. Your attempt is a little too specific, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing this. I can see right, uh, right through this. I know where this is going to go. But, you know, but she, she stuck it out. Yeah. And, you know, look, she had, a, like, she had something that, you know, as, as like, I love Jean, but Jean has never bore a child and Madeline gave birth to a son and she had that just taken away and just really just got dicked over so bad. And I think she's important to just be remembered and that she is more than what she has been portrayed. Yeah. Yes. So, 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 so to piggyback on that, people really love to forget that Madeline was a whole character before Inferno. Yes. But like, and like, and like when, when Scott is like, but wait, are you really Jean? And she just fully clocks him in the face. I loved it. It's, it's I loved like, it. Fuck yeah. And she's like, no, weirdo. What the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you? Um, and again, like people seem to forget that like she was like this perfect friend. Yes, sure, Kitty, I'm gonna take care of your dragon while you go out on missions. This is totally normal. But like she was like there and around and like mm-hmm. was was a part of all of the stuff. Like people forget all of that stuff that happened before and just focus right on, right on the thing. And the thing is, again, it was kind of an editorial mandate that they needed to get rid of Madeline to, to oh. make, to make, to make Jean really a thing again. So it's like, I can, I understand why then the characters just all, all of a sudden are like, Oh, well, fuck Maddie. Um, but, but yeah, like, I mean, the, this was their friend and they, it, it, it's like, they all of a sudden were like, Oh, well, you know, she wasn't, she was a clone by Mr. Sinister. So that's okay. why she went evil. And everyone's like, yeah, that tracks. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm gonna no longer think about that and just move on with my life. 
Yeah. But here's my thing with it. Here's my thing with it. And and my first exposure to Maddie was 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 Fall of the Mutants and her grandiose speech, you know, that Cyclops sees and actually maybe feels shame about what he's done for the first and only time ever, maybe. Like um, he's but, ever known but, shame. Never. <laughs> but but my my thing is is like they needed nine souls to complete the spell to to mm-hmm. defeat Oh my God, what? The adversary. The adversary. What's adversary. his name? I mm-hmm. almost called him the pretender. Uh, no, but he needed Same. nine souls to do that. that and Maddie, again. <laughs> Sorry. Maddie sacrificed. Maddie sacrificed, mm-hmm. you know, some w- w- herself for that. And the spell worked. So clearly she has, she has some a soul. sort of soul. <laughs> some exactly. sort of soul. She has a soul. She's human. And they just dismiss it. They just dismiss that completely. They're like, no, she's not a real person. She's a clone. Fuck the fact that that she sacrificed, you know, herself alongside all of us. She's mm-hmm. just as responsible for defeating the big villain as all of us. It just, mm-hmm. it's insulting. It's sad. She deserves, she deserves justice. She deserves justice. Well, mm-hmm. With that, do we want to dive into Madeline's history? Yes. Oh. Uh, are y'all ready for this? Because because I'm on first and I've got <laughs> I need my popcorn. Are y'all ready for this? Because this is yeah, her history is long and it is complicated. It is. Yeah. I, hold on. Before you start, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, refill your drinks. Sir, take a sip. Sir, Here sir, we well, go. In my house, we have a, a strict rule. If you're like watching a TV show and you're like getting too much into it and you have to ask the question about why something's going on. For example, on Riverdale. Anytime something's going on and you're like, why is this happening? Just drink for trying to make sense. <laughs> like, just move on with your life. It's never going to make sense. It. Just, it just accepted. Just, all all right. right. So, <clears throat> <clears throat> Madeline Jennifer Pryor made her debut in Uncanny X-Men number 168 as a charter pilot with incredible hair at the airline company Cyclops' grandparents owned and operated in Alaska. But, of course, the style of her hair wasn't the only notable thing about her appearance. No, no. What really had Cyclops spooked was the fact that she looked exactly like the late, great Jean Grey. In spite of that coincidence and other little oddities, like Madeline having survived a plane crash at the exact same time Jean Grey died on the moon, no one in the X-Men's orbit seemed all that worried, and the two quickly boot up. After just seven issues, the two are married in Uncanny X-Men number 175. Cyclops then quits the team, and the pair head back to Alaska to live in domestic bliss. And that, folks, is truly the tale that Chris Claremont intended to tell with Scott and Madeline. Uh, he was to have gotten his happy ending and be written out of the main cast, only to show up sporadically with the most iconic of these sporadic appearances being Asgardian Wars, which is an X-Men Alpha Flight crossover where Madeline is briefly granted magical healing powers and dons a super fabulous headpiece and costume as Anodyne. Oh, it's such a great... I just read it for the first time. It's so wonderful. the Anodyne suit... It's a big, dumb headpiece. It's completely <laughs> impractical. Obviously, I need it in my wardrobe. Obviously. It's such 80s cheese. And I got to say, and that was one of my favorite um, pieces to draw on, on that um, art that I did. And in fact, all those Madelines were actually done separately on pieces of, you know, freaking printer paper that I just put together. But I loved, loved the design because I've never drawn that, you know, before of her. And I was just like, that was my favorite. So my other favorite thing about that suit is that also as a drag queen, Madeline also becomes like Asgardian size. So she like starts to tower over everyone. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Maddie. And she's a big spoon for Cyclops. They're sitting down (laughs) and she's big spooning. We all know that Cyclops is always the small spoon. He is the biggest (laughs) fucking sub in all of X-Men history. I'm sorry. There's a tweet there. 
No, no. I mean, it's all true, all true. And 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 speaking of Cyclops being a sub, uh, it is in this crossover where Professor X confirms that Maddie is indeed pregnant with a little Summer's bebe. So <laughs> now we flash forward a little bit to around Uncanny X-Men 200 and Madeline is heavily pregnant when Scott is called away on some serious X business, leaving her all alone for just the first of many, many times. To make matters worse, while he's away, he doesn't even bother to call her. Storm, Nightcrawler, Kitty, all of them decide, you know, hey, we better check on the super pregnant lady, but her husband, nah, he's cool. Okay, sure. So now Madeline is in distress and totally alone at the X-Mansion. Lalandra and Corsair pop in at this point looking for a dying Xavier, but they leave her too. Once they realize he's not there, despite the fact, despite the fact that Corsair is her father-in-law. So of course, she's still in distress and Maddie immediately goes into labor and she gives birth to Nathan Christopher Summers completely alone and apparently without any kind of assistance. Yeah. Uh, First of all, right. boss ass bitch who literally like gives birth, let me throw this baby up and I got shit to do. Yep. <laughs> And I, I do have to add that the Christopher in that name is a nod to the father-in-law that literally just abandoned her during childbirth. Naturally, Regina, that's that's mm -hmm. what you want to honor with your child's name, whatever. Regina, I'm curious, like, would you, like, as the only person in the Zoom has given birth. How dare like, you? How, like, <laughs> what? What did you make of this? That woman has ovaries of steel because <laughs> when when i went into labor oh no i was like hospital right <laughs> i'm not waiting you know you're supposed to wait like a certain amount of time before you go no i need drugs right now <laughs> right now but also because it was her sole purpose of being made is that why she could do it by herself is that her mutant I mean, power women around the world do do it by themselves all the which time. is also true but Holy crap, she had no one. Usually you have a midwife at least, or you have a partner, or you have your mom or your dad or somebody there for moral support. She completely did it by herself. In I think Lucky was there. <laughs> she, you know, just for that, like this woman deserves a medal of honor. Yeah, for real. In, for the, real, in for the words real. of the immortal Spice Girls, that is some girl power right there. Yes. Right. Like I get like, you know, all kidding and shade aside, like that's Fucking incredible. Incredible. So she had a WandaVision birth. <laughs> <laughs> so now, of course, uh, when Cyclops and the X-Men arrive back from their mission, he like pays Maddie and their newborn son total dust because he's too busy wanting to fight a then powerless storm in the danger room to re-redetermine who the leader of the X-Men is going to be, since he clearly doesn't give a shit about Madeline or his retirement at this point. But, or, the, or the fact that like Rachel is all of a sudden like, by the way, I want to be Phoenix now. <laughs> makes no anyway. sense. Makes no sense. But, you know, they, they have their little, their little danger room battle. Uh, but of course, nothing can stop the awesomeness that is Mohawk Storm, even without her powers. So Cyclops loses and Maddie can't help but wonder from the control booth whether somehow she might have influenced the outcome of this duel. Hmm. Here's where things are really going to accelerate for Maddie. So buckle up, listeners. Shortly after the pair return to Alaska with their son, Cyclops gets a life-changing call from Angel in New York City. Jean Grey has been found alive. <gasps> Post-it note wow. on computer. 
Exactly. With absolutely no explanation, Cyclops again abandons Madeline and their son to go be with Jean and establish X-Factor with the other original X-Men. What a dick. So once again, we have Madeline all alone. And this time it looks like it's going to stick since she told him, don't bother coming back if you leave. Uh, he left. So now she's just trying to provide her baby. She goes back to being a charter pilot when she is attacked out of nowhere by the Marauders who take off with baby Nate and leave poor Maddie for dead. Hmm. Maddie, of course, survives the attack and wakes up months later in a hospital as a Jane Doe patient with no one able to find any record that Madeline Pryor ever existed, let alone had a son. Shook AF, she calls the X-Men who show up just in time to save her from another attack by the Marauders who, presumably, were surprised to learn that they hadn't killed her. Seriously, if you haven't read The Mutant Massacre, these guys are like the real deal. They kill or seriously maim literally dozens of powered characters, but can't kill Madeline Pryor. Boss bitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Madeline decides she should probably stick with the X-Men for her own protection, but in no time at all, that association itself puts Madeline in a position where she has to sacrifice herself alongside the team as part of a spell to defeat the super powerful magic of the adversary right here in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. One bit of magical trickery leads to another, however, and Madeline and the X-Men are resurrected in secret by the goddess Roma and plopped into the Australian outback where they set up shop as something of an incognito superhero squad. This is literally my all-time favorite era of X-Men comics thanks to new ideas and a new status quo from Claremont and gorgeous, gorgeous era-defining artwork from Mark Silvestri. Woo! So if you haven't read this, seriously, go seek it out, read the entire thing. But for Madeline specifically, during this time, she gets super close with Havoc, uh, who of course is her husband's brother, who has so kindly vowed to defend her uh, in his absence, which is the right thing to do. Uh, she also starts to hold her own with the X-Men by learning the complex computer systems uh, in their Outback base. And it's with those very systems that Madeline comes across her husband Cyclops on television alongside a very much alive Jean Grey. In this instant, Maddie knows exactly why her husband ditched her without explanation, leaving her and their son to endure unimaginable trauma. And an understandably furious Madeline then like, punches the computer screen, destroying it, and blacks out from the subsequent explosion. Now, while unconscious, Madeline experienced a horrifying vision where her husband steals all of the defining physical features right off of her body. I'm talking her eyes, her hair, her lips, everything. And he gives them to his new old love, Jean, leaving Maddie with no identity. There is some especially great art from Mark Silvestri in this scene, and we'll definitely post it up on the gram for those of you uh, that haven't seen it. But this vision is soon interrupted by Sim, a big purple demon from Limbo, who offers Maddie the opportunity for a new identity. And thinking this all to be a dream, she selects the unknown demonic looking option, at which point Sim informs her this is not a dream and infects her with dark magic. We get the first glimpse of Madeline's potential new powers a few issues later uh, when she both causes and survives a lethal explosion while in captivity on Genosha. So now reach the most iconic portion of Madeline's story, the epic crossover Inferno, where we learn all the secrets of her past and start to understand the dark reality of her new situation. Now, after striking a deal to find her missing baby with another limbo demon whose name I'm probably- Nazareth. Nazareth. Is that it? Is that it? Sure. 
she makes a deal with Nazareth uh, and fully evolves into the Goblin Queen, igniting the Inferno and transforming the world around her into a dark demonic mirror of itself. While investigating a tip from Nazareth, Maddie uncovers the sickening truth that she is in fact a clone of Jean Grey created by Mr. Sinister in order to harness the incredible potential of a Grey Summer's offspring for himself. After years of existing as a seemingly failed experiment, Maddie's potential was finally unleashed the day Jean Grey died. And so Sinister placed her with Cyclops' grandparents simply waiting for the day their paths would cross. At this point, after learning the horrible truth with no identity of her own and seemingly no reason to care, Madeline descends further into madness and agrees to sacrifice her own son to keep Limbo on Earth as a means of getting back at both Cyclops and Sinister. Do you want to note, it's at this point she turns Havoc into her super sexy sub, the <laughs> Goblin Prince. We loved it. Those love Summers it. boys. Just... I was just going to say that. They're such <laughs> subs. We love, we love those Summers boys. but Those Summer uh, subs. Of course, this is a major crossover, so a lot happens in Inferno that I'm not going to get into, but after Maddie goes like fully all the way evil and plays the X-Men against X-Factor, uh, Ileana Rasputin of the New Mutants manages to contain the Inferno, leaving Madeline to finally face off against her alleged better half, Jean Grey. Uh, and at, it's at this point she decides to link their minds and commit suicide, hoping that such a move will kill them both. Spoiler alert, it don't. Only Madeline perishes, but Jean is left with all of Maddie's memories and trauma. And because this is X-Men comics and dead means dead, that's it for Maddie, right? What a freaking yeah. wild ride. And, you know, I think it just shows that from the very beginning, she was set to fail. Like she was just created to create this baby, which she did. And part of her attempt to regain agency was still lost and she keeps trying and we do see that later as well she keeps trying to regain her agency and she still hasn't gotten it so i don't know i still have incredible sympathy for her at this point regardless of what inferno happened and what she was doing with cable and you know she was turned against her will and Regardless of whether she was trying to take Jean Grey out or not, you know, no wonder. <laughs> All of this crap that has happened to her. And even now we have Sinister who started this whole thing on the council and I'm still mad. But I didn't know that at that time. So <laughs> I will be my, my next person to continue their thing. <laughs> Amanda, what did you, what do you make of that first half of her history? I, I mean... So, I mean, I'll, I'll talk more about uh, more about it later as we, you know, continue with, with her story. But it's like she she's like, I, as as Regina said, and I think it's like worded perfectly. She keeps trying to establish her own agency, but making the wrong choice in doing so and going with the wrong people. And I think it also goes to show what kind of dicks the X-Men are sometimes where they're not then holding out that hand to the people that actually want it and desperately need it, which is why then they then reach out their hand to the, to the other side, to the other people. Um, but I, I, I mean, I honestly like can't blame her. Like, I'm sorry if I'm going to see you who looks just like me with my husband holding my baby, bitch, we're going down. Like I'm going to, like, I'm going to fully cash you. We're going down. Yell timber. 
Like, I'm going to grab you by, <laughs> by your curly ass hair. And like, we're going down together, bitch. Um, so I mean, I, like, I don't think any of this, even, even I think when I like actually read Inferno, I was like, but why is no one really helping her? And, and, and I, I think it kind of lies in, in Inferno. There's that evil influence that go, goes all over everybody where everyone just becomes like the worst versions of themselves. Like, Dazzler and Longshot are just like making out and like taking selfies. Like, oh my god! I was gonna say that <laughs> shot of Dazzler in the opening of the Inferno arc, where she's just looking at herself. Yeah, because it, like you know, and, and everyone's becoming the worst version of themselves. So I, it, it, at least the X Men, I don't think X Factor got to that point um, of being influenced like that. But the X Men are already the worst versions of themselves. Oh, not our God Queen. They're just absolved of all that. Um, But yeah, so so it's like, so it's like, you know, even if Maddie did reach out her hand to the X-Men to help, because those are the people who are actually there to help her. They were not, you know, in the right mental state to help her. Like they were all not at all concerned (laughs) about her. And, and and yeah, it's, it's, it's just very sad, very tragic. And Michael, what did you think of the first half of her history? Ooh, well, I'll say this though. I mean, Bravo should have capitalized on that life. <laughs> I mean, um, they have a real lot clones of Krakoa. Yeah, oh my God, that would be so perfect. They really should do that. I can just, I can see that. Um, that she really just had. I mean, the woman really just has a life, and it's just you know, like you know, everyone else said, it's just so tragic and it's just unfortunate, and just all the cards that you know that she gets dealt with that are just so you know, hurtful and harmful. And, and I don't know, it just, it just makes me, it just makes me mad because I just, she really deserved a lot more than what she got. I mean, just every single thing, every good thing that happens just gets taken away. And I mean, I don't know. I, I agree. Look, Cyclops has been right about a lot of things, but I don't know with, with him and just the, the choice that he made. I mean, really, you know, like they like we were talking about how he just took you know those pieces of Madeline in that sequence and put them on you know Jean. I mean, that's how he treated her in real life. Yep. You know, I mean, he saw her as just a, a Jean 2.0. Yep. And when the real article returned, peace out. You know, <laughs> thanks. Who needs the simulation when you got the real thing? That, you know, and then yeah, I mean, it's just and look, even even when Jean, you know, when she found out about Madeline, even told him, look, you need to go back. You know, yeah. you need to you need to go back and you know take care of her. You know, that's your wife, that's your child. Um, and it's just I don't may she just I just want to see oh, I, I can just feel all the emotions right now because <laughs> no. I just, feel I hate, it, feel it. Well, I just I hate seeing, you know, really good people just get bad or dealt with such bad luck, you know, over and over and over again. And it's so undeserving. I mean, she's so much more than like I said, what what she's been portrayed as and you know i just i i feel for her i, I really but but to like so like get on you know gene was like you really should go back to your wife but old the dudes on x factor bros before hoes they're like no dude it's cool well no like, you know what i hate about that the, those first issues with x factor is that they're like oh let's keep the secret from gene yeah and it's they didn't even give Jean a chance to react, be like, hey, this is what's happened since you died. Mm-hmm. People moved on. And when thinking about Madeline, I reread a lot of her, her, you know, the 80s issues with her. I was shocked at how much she was never historically divorced 
from Jean. From the second we see her all the way to Mastermind, the question mm -hmm. of, is she Jean reincarnated? Oh, she had a plane crash at the exact moment that Jean died on the moon, which was 11 a.m. in September. And it's almost like at the time that wasn't supposed to be, you know, she wasn't supposed to be a clone of Jean. And yet editorially, she's a reaction to Jean. Yeah, she's and got a red herring. And the reason why I loved Asgardian War so much is because Madeline was her own character, mm -hmm. her own story, her own powers, her own mistakes, and she really shined. But then after that, that's it. Again, she continues to be a reaction to Jean and the Jean drama. And I, you know, Mike and I are on the same page here. We love Jean. And I just feel like Madeline deserved more than that. But let's dive into her second you know, part we of her ain't history. Done yet. We're not done yet. <laughs> no, it's real confusing. This is where it gets. Yeah, yeah, listeners, go get some, get a martini, get popcorn, get whatever, because aspirin. there's get aspirin because there's <laughs> <laughs> there's something called the redhead loophole in the X books, which prohibits redheads from staying dead. Because six years later in real world time, at the end of X-Men number five, right after Nate Gray hopped from Age of Apocalypse to the 616 universe, he finds himself alone in Switzerland and telepathically reaches out to his mother, who is Age of Apocalypse Jean Gray, for solace. And the part of the issue where Nate falls asleep has this beautiful narration, and I think it's one of the best things ever written about Maddie. It reads... As he drifts off to sleep, his mind dances with the vision of a red-haired woman, her special face dancing like the snow outside. And then it, it's, it's very subtle in the art. A puff of smoke forms above Nate and then descends this shape who becomes a woman wearing a hood. And the hooded woman touches him and Nate is like, who are you? And the woman, I'm, I'm talking, this is like full, like real housewives entry removes her hood and she goes my name my name is madeline Pryor," and boom that's where the issue ends and, and and maddie's back so you know the question right now is did nate gray create a psychic construct of his alt world mother's clone this is where you guys can get the aspirin so, so it's, it's kind of like because, like, there's also, like, a huge discrepancy and, like, uh, you know, people on two sides that, you know, the editorial specifically was, like, Nate Gray is not an alternate universe yeah. table. Yeah, they are exactly. not, they are not the same person. They are completely different because uh, Cable is Maddie and Scott. Nate is Gene and Scott. Exactly. But it's interesting that when he reaches out for his mother, Jean, who has always rejected motherhood, yep. Rachel Gray, always rejected motherhood. But the thing that he, the, the, the person, the spirit, the essence that he reaches out to is the mother of Cable, Madeline Pryor. Yeah. And it's worth noting that Madeline has no memory of how or why she's there with Nate. And he asks her about Jean and Madeline's like, I don't know her. She doesn't, she doesn't recognize the name. <laughs> she's, she's full on the right I don't know, I don't know her. <laughs> he asks her about Sinister and Madeline completely freaks out. And you can see this as maybe it's a reflection of his own fears. If she is a construct, you know, it's, it's, 
to the reader's choice. But he then tries to probe her mind and this demonic havoc image sprouts out of her thoughts and attacks him. So there's no way he can read her. So they go from Switzerland to Paris where Celine catches sight of Madeline and manipulates Maddie into thinking if she stays with Nate, she'll destroy this twink and she needs to go <laughs> off with Celine. And weird things start happening at Celine's palace. Maddie cuts herself while making dinner and it's bloody as fuck. But a few days later, the housekeeper, Ella, tries to switch the bandages on her hand and Maddie doesn't have a scar or anything. She's perfectly fine. And throughout this entire time, we find out that housekeeper Ella has been asking Maddie hard questions like, how did you learn to speak French? Where are you originally from? Tell me about yourself. And Madeline is not having it and banishes her from her like boudoir and like, Poor housekeeper Ella is just trying to make some small talk with her new like <laughs> mistress. So what are Celine's plans for Maddie? Well, we find out that Celine is yet again at the height of her power and calls Maddie her heir apparent, saying she must make her way through the dark times ahead and sends Maddie after Trevor Fitzroy. And Fitzroy notices Maddie at a pub because why wouldn't you? I mean, she's stunning. And is fascinated by her. But of course, this is all part of Maddie's plan to get his attention, make him vulnerable, and exhibits this kick-ass, like, Jean Grey-level telekinetic abilities and shatters his armor and allows Celine to feast on him. The ladies then head to New York, where she is appointed the Black Rook of the Hellfire Club. And it's one of these beautiful scenes I, I feel should stick out for Maddie, where Sebastian Shaw sees her for the first time. And he goes to kiss her hand and says, I see no fire except for the inferno itself. And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> That is the introduction Madeline deserves. And after Tess, a.k.a. Sage, because we all know she's never up to any good, tries mm -hmm. to read Maddie's mind to see how, how is Madeline back? You know, she's the only one asking the logical question here. Something happens and Madeline's memories are fully restored. It's comic book knowledge, um, you know, just imbued in her. And, you know, however it happened, it happened. But she then goes in search of Nate. And meanwhile, over at the X Mansion, Madame Sanctity manifests in front of in front of Jean and lets her know that Madeline's back. Meanwhile, at the same time, Nate and Maddie have reunited. They even start kissing. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right here. <laughs> yeah. Stop you right here. So number one, number one, I feel like because Tessa has been shown to like jumpstart people's powers and stuff, mm. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I mean, granted, this is fangirl like putting that on that not that yeah. i think editorial even like thought about it but like that could be you know the reason yeah. why all of a sudden madeline now knows shit but she starts making out with someone who literally shares dna with her <laughs> and some people <clears throat> some people like to just gloss over that and be like that wasn't really maddie we don't we don't know that and i'm like no no it happened. It was on panel. <laughs> she, that, that was the thing that she did. And it's weird and it's gross. Like, it is. It is so weird. I'm sorry. It is so weird and it's so gross. And it's interrupted by our god queen, Jean Grey. <laughs> and she's like, stop making out with my son. It's fucking weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> and 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 of course Maddie's like she's here no and like goes after Maddie and Maddie really shines in this issue and this is peak Maddie for me because Maddie's like afraid of what my return means now Jean don't worry I'm not looking for Scott in fact I've been there I've done that and his little brother too <laughs> and their son <laughs> and they're like, all don't fun. forget it like that's Weird. And like the thing is that another reason, again, I'm, you might get into this. So I'm sorry if I'm like kind of yeah. jumping ahead. But then she totally goes after Threnody, who is, um, you know, Nate, Nate's like kind of girlfriend or whatever, and like kills her. And she's like, bye, bitch. I don't yeah. need you fucking <laughs> up whatever plans I, I got. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, girl, that's like. Girl, you just I mean, got your he, son's first I mean, I your son, But he's like kind of like your like nephew. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're still related. Like, that's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, like, the fact that that made it through editorial and is, like, a thing that happened on panel is such a weird left field, like, why? Like, what was her motivation for doing that? Because even Nate kind of understands that she may not be, like, my mother, but is still, like, in, like, the family. He literally could have also walked, yeah. He could have walked up to Rachel and been like, "Yeah, so we're not really brother and sister, but like, let's make out." Like, <laughs> listen, 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 Greg and Jan Brady. Like, no, Greg and Marsha. was Greg and Marsha yeah. in real life tried to date, and it was like, no, no, weird. no. Like, no. that's welcome to the summer's bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but no one else like made out with their sister or son or brother or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Again, there, there, and, and, and I also feel like it's another way to make Maddie not cool, not Stable. like good, because like she's like trying to corrupt the her son in, yeah. in essence. And it's like, gross, no. Yeah. I mean, if she was trying to kill him, yes, because that tracks. But make out with him? No, thank you. Questionable, questionable. Questionable. So the fight culminates with Nate straight up saying he subconsciously created Maddie and he can't undo her. So she escapes to the Hellfire Club in Hong Kong and -hmm. gets into bed with Sebastian Shaw. (laughs) Amanda, to your point about Jean rejecting motherhood, at the end of this issue, Jean and Nate have a moment and Nate says that he was reaching for Jean and that he wishes Jean had been his mother. And Jean thinks to herself, I wish I had been too. Boom. Yeah. She just hates Rachel. She just hates <laughs> Rachel. That's right. Good. And like, and like, that's the thing. That's like, good. Cause like, she okay. likes her boys. She hates her daughter. So, yes. <laughs> it's, it, cause, cause it's like, she helped, she helped raise Nate when he was still being called Christopher, by the way, or Charles. Oh. He's being called like Charles and Christopher intermittently. He didn't, yeah. he didn't get called Nate, Nathan until much later, but like, she's fully down for like, Oh, Maddie just died. Yes, Cyclops, I will help raise this baby. <laughs> um, and then, and then, like, oh, baby needs to be sent to the future. And so, like, you know, whatever. So then, you know, cut to. So, so then it's like all of a sudden Rachel shows up, and Rachel's like, "Mom, Dad," and she's like, "Fuck no, get the fuck away from me. I've never been your mother. I never want to be your mother." People keep trying. And the thing is, it's a little bit of like that Maddie, like she's trying to like to you know her own agency, but has yeah. all these memories and blah blah blah. So she's like. Fuck you, Rachel. In fairness to Jean, in that moment, she had randomly seen the Phoenix effect without any context and was flipping out. And Jean looks at Rachel and says, but we're the same age. How can you be my daughter? 
And I feel for Jean in that It's moment. called time travel, bitch. <laughs> she Don't act like it's new. She's in a cocoon at the bottom of the it's Jamaican that. Bay. So, she had, I mean, so, come on, Jean yeah. is lying. So anyway, so, so, so then they get married and she's like, you know what, Rachel? You're not terrible. Let me put you in, <laughs> let me put you in my hand-me-down dress. It's canon. The dress that she makes Rachel wear to their wedding is literally the same design of a dress that she wears in earlier issues by Jim Lee. Yeah. Here's my hand-me-down oh, dress. Yeah. To come to my wedding. <laughs> That's and, then, and then she's like, okay, Scott, let's go to the future and raise our baby. <laughs> Helps raise the baby. It's totally like cool with it. But, and then when Scott, and then when Scott dies, moment. she's like, they have and then when Scott dies, moment. she's like, oh, let's like hang out, you know, uh, me and Cable, like, let's like make this bond or whatever. And then, and then she's like, oh, Nate, like, let's, I wish I was your mother too, bitch. But Rachel Bitch. and Jean have a moment in Cyclops and Phoenix where they mend everything and she takes on the name of Phoenix in honor of her daughter after Rachel mm-hmm. asked her to do it. Yeah, after, Ra- after Rachel asked her to do it and then she dies conveniently. And then when she comes <laughs> back, and then when she comes back, she has the good sense to fucking die again. Okay. Well, you know what? Anyway, this sorry, episode sorry, has sorry, just sorry. been hijacked by Jean Grey. Natalie <laughs> 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 can't even get a justice for Maddie episode. It so wait. To me. <laughs> so it's it's it's, it's, it's my red. it's my crazy Jean Stan in me that like just starts t- it turns <laughs> on so so totally get it. Okay, thank you, Michael. I have to throw it in there. <laughs> just recently in the last two years, Rachel said something to Jean and called her mom, and Jean said, I'm not your mom. And I'm okay. like, Bitch, what the f- So so what? it was it was yeah, but Shame. It, the, the, <sighs> like it's so frustrating that it's like inconsistent that she that Gina's like, yeah, sure, I've got like these kids, but then is also like, I'm not your mother. Like, <laughs> she wants it both ways. I, I have to I have to defend I have to defend Gene here in this moment because that was all Mark Guggenheim fucking up, you know, that story because it, so no because you know, for me, and I read that too, and I'm like, okay, this is all the writer's fault because I even tweeted him with that little uh, panel of Gene and Rachel hugging, and she says, "No, you know, by the end of this wedding, if I have the blessing of having Rachel Summers as my daughter, then this is going to, you know, be, you know, like a blessing, great life, whatsoever." And I'm like, really, thank you for not understanding this history here. You know, I mean, you truly just f that one up. I'm just totally shitting on Gene right now, which is totally <laughs> justice for that. Like, so even though I'm talking about Gene. Totally shitting on her because she's she's not Fair. she's not innocent in any of this. No, like, yeah. she totally is like everybody because, has some because she still has Madeline's memories and is still like no mm, no. I'm no, sorry, guys. Gene is incapable of lying, as established at Murder of the Mansion. <laughs> so what, lies, 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 lies that Gene Gray told me. Anyways, look, look, guys. So after this with Nate. Things get a little murky with Madeline. She stays with the inner circle for a while, but betrays them to help Cable in Cable number 50. And she then goes off to rejoin X-Man again, only to be drained and depleted of her energy life force after a battle with Strike Squad. And she once again goes off on her own. The Maddie that appears later on in the X-Men series would turn out to be an evil gene from an alternate Earth who claims to have replaced Madeline months prior. So we really don't get an answer to what happened to this Maddie. Things that don't matter and make me mad that happened in a comic book. It's like, sir, no one asked for any of this. Like, literally no one asked for this. No This one. did not... So. Uh, 
Why can't yeah. it just be Maddie? Why can't it just be Maddie? I agree. Why I did know. it even need to happen? Why? <laughs> like, no. did, it's like she did like she at that in my opinion, at that point, she didn't need to come back. Like she didn't I, need to come back at that yeah, point. Yeah, she was just gone. So a psychic echo of Maddie does appear before Cable and Cyclops during the 12 when Cable finds himself psychically at the house in Alaska, a place he and Maddie agreed to always meet when they needed each other. And Cable's a straight up dick to Maddie in this. He's here like, I never called out for you. And Maddie's like, you did. You cried out for me indirectly. And she says that living here in this house after Cyclops had left to go with Jean and it was just her and him were among the best moments of her life. And she offers to save Cable. She says, come with me. I want to help you. And he's here like, nah, I'm good. I'm an X-Man like my father. And like total dick move. Like, I don't know why Cable has to be so atrocious to her, but- Literally the worst Cable moment. And he's got a lot of questionable moments and I'm a fan of the character, but that moment is literally his worst moment. I hate it. In his defense though, not that- you really should because he's still being a dick to like yeah. the woman who gave birth to him by herself <laughs> um but he never knew maddie no he literally never knew her he was he was give, gave birth and then almost stolen like months later yeah. and then sent to the raised by gene and cyclops sent to the future raised by gene and cyclops again mm-hmm. and then come to the present where again, never met Madeline and then has only had Jean as any sort of mother figure interaction. Yeah. So, so to him, yeah, you're just the lady who gave birth to me. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, and and, and even in real life, you know, we all have friends who kind of have that sort of relationship with, with their, their biological mother where it's like, yeah, you kind of gave birth to me, but you're not my mom. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that sort of his, reaction he's still a total dick and should not have been but at the same time you're not my mom you also you also try to throw me in the fires of hell (laughs) so cyclops and cable tell maddie she's welcome to help fight apocalypse but again she reiterates that she's just a ghost on the psychic plane so years later maddie manifests herself as the red queen which is a sadistic dominatrix (laughs) who did naughty things to empath and takes on emma's form to seduce cyclops (laughs) he can't help himself (laughs) with dominating women he cannot help himself we i'm sorry scott is literally on a mission on a mission where they're trying to infiltrate this terrible group that's like like this is after like they beat a pixie right yeah like they're totally trying to go after and he sees and he's and emma appears and is like (laughs) hey i'm in this dominatrix outfit and i'm wearing this red wig and he's like emma i can't right now and she's like (laughs) but scott and he's like do you know what you're right like no we're in the middle of something here put your dick away you got stuff to do he had the ball ready to go yeah he pulls it out of his back pocket because he's ready to go it's just like he he again he's great at his job but he's terrible at his own life terrible am i misremembering or was that all happening at a Dazzler concert as well? <laughs> well, something no, I think the Dazzler concert happened later. When okay. It was after, yeah, it was, they were infiltrating a Hellfire cult. And uh, the, I think it was, yeah, afterwards, that's when he discovered that Madeline was still alive. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and he found out that it was Madeline and was like, do, 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 do. I don't know. <laughs> what? what? What happened? Uh, I don't yeah, know. Who? So this Maddie has no physical form. She's just psychic energy. And she forms the anti-mutant group called Hellfire Cult, as well as the Sisterhood. 
It turns out her motivation is only to steal a locket of Jean's hair, which is supposed to lead her to Jean's grave. That This makes no sense to me because None. one, how did she know Wolverine had a locket of Jean's hair? And secondly, Creepy. she could sense that he had a locket of her hair. She couldn't sense that Jean was buried in the long established graveyard at the mansion back in Westchester. If I'm remembering correctly, they were stealing the hair to test it because she wanted to test it before. Cause like the first test was putting, was uh body swapping. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. 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 The, the, do all of that again. Um, so th that was the first test. And I think the hair was supposed to be the second test to see if like, well, it but, but no, because she gets a lock of hair and she says, take me to your, your body or That's take me I to your Oh, I, yeah, I always thought that. it was, she, she just had no common no, sense. I don't disagree with you. The cemetery. I don't disagree with you, Demanda, because I do think she needed to test it. And since that's a real gene DNA, it was uh, a plus, but she literally had to say, take me to your host or body, whatever. But anyway, oh, look, look, so she finds Jean's grave. And intends to merge with Jean's body so she can be a real girl. But oh no, Domino luckily was in the area and switched out the caskets. And this somehow kills Madeline. I don't. I don't understand why. How she's worse off merging with the faux body. It, she... and it, it also totally was like um, uh, uh, I'm melting. I'm melting. What a world. What a world. Like that's what it totally felt like to me. And I was like, Ugh. Dude, I, I mean, and as she's dying, bro, like. Cyclops says only Jean Grey can house you, Maddie. Like insult to injury right there. But anyway, so she vanishes again and is resurrected later in the body of Anna Cortez. And then in the same issue, the X-Men arrive for a battle and Maddie just walks away after confronting Storm and Rachel claiming that she's going to create her own sisterhood. The biggest question I have here, and I know this is going to spark a big debate right now, is Wikipedia says that Archaea manipulated her DNA using genes to, to create this new vessel. But I don't see any evidence of that in the pages. And I'm curious what you guys make of this, because Storm does recognize her as Madeline. She's in the body of, uh, of Ana Cortez. It, it's clear to me that Archaea places her consciousness in the body that was formerly housing Deathstrike's consciousness. And while we don't actually see the, the red hair dye, there is a, a set of panels in that sisterhood arc where uh, Madeline is washing her hair in a sink and it looks to me as though she has dyed mm -hmm. her hair red. So yeah, in and my we were, opinion- we were talking about that. You look at the panel, of that, there's no evidence that she dyed her hair. I mean, we can assume she's dyeing her hair because she's over the sink washing her hair, but there's no or dye there. Is she, or or is, is it is it one of those things, again, if it was like a motion comic where like Anna like gets in the shower or whatever is washing her hair. And when she like does the hair flip up, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, like, you know, it's Anna in the mirror. And then she goes down to like wash her hair. And when she flips her hair back up, it's a full new body, a full new hair because being manipulated by other people because magic and whatever. Cause, cause th that's the whole thing with like this, like second Maddie that happens is that she gets like this mix of like the mutant powers of Jean Grey. Plus like these weird, like magical abilities left over from like Goblin Queen and Celine, where it's like, she can kind of do whatever. So it, it to, to me, it's, it's kind of like drink for trying to make sense. Just go with it. And, and, and have a good time. Because also, 
And like Storm recognizing her as Madeline, it's kind of like, sure, sure, like 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 like, if they're supposed to be like identical, what about the way that she's standing? Is you know, oh, that's Madeline. It's like, girl, you haven't seen her in years, and you totally wrote her off. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't so, know. So that brings us to where we're at today. And I, I'll know we we have her. We had her in Mutant X. We had Sinister, who cloned her during AVX to take on the Phoenix. That brings us here with you know Hellions and what's happened with her recently and why we've assembled. So, guys, what do you? What, what do you, we've kind of interjected, but I want to give everyone the opportunity. What do we think about the second part of her bio? And it's again, just a lot of manipulation by a lot of other people. We have Archaea, we have Celine. We, I mean, we just have just all of these different things that are happening that again, she doesn't really have that much agency over. Um, we have this, idea of Nate bringing her back her psionic essence and like yeah what the fuck was that <laughs> when she's <laughs> kissing him I still like when I think about it I'm just like I you know if there had been a purpose for that I could have accepted it but I just you know there are people who are purists and they're like if it's on the page that it's canon well that is not my head canon I just can't wrap my mind around it it doesn't make any sense there was no on page reason for it yeah and Nate himself could have not let her do that. <laughs> he just <laughs> took it like a man, I guess. Um, but yeah, again, we just have these periods where, again, she doesn't have agency. And then speaking to the um, sinister cloning thing, oh. I always found it very interesting that they are specifically Madeline Pryor clones. They're not Jean Grey clones. So for me, that just furthers this idea that she is her own person. She is her a real girl because otherwise they would just be Jean Grey clones and they're specifically Madeline Pryor clones. So I found that to be very um, persuasive in this argument that she is her own person. Yeah. She is a real girl. And that is in my notes. That is such a good point that, that it, it it's not a Jean Grey clone. They make it, they go out of their way to say, these are Madeline Pryor. The Madeline six. <laughs> Grey Crow is also a clone. Yep. Because he's, oh. he, he's been a, a Marauder for like decades and they, none, none of them are in their original bodies anymore. It's true. So, like, what's the gag, bitch? Like, you're allowed to, to die and come back, and then you shoot Maddie, and it's like, oh, no, she doesn't get to come back. Like, to me, as a clone, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, wait. <laughs> I think but wait, the difference what? there is, is that he was his own character to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, there, there was... Grey Crow was a person who was born, whereas Madeline... Was, was just you know, right or wrong she was created that's yeah. what i think the mm. justification there is i disagree with it wholeheartedly but i can but but but, th but then to that to that effect like the stefford cuckoos and i'm sorry for totally de derailing right now and talking no. about this clone thing but like it just popped into my head being like what the fuck um but like the stefford cuckoos were also created to just be a weapon yep yeah yep. like they were like th that was their sole purpose um x23 now wolverine she was created just to be a weapon. Like mm -hmm. they, they were never intended to have personalities or a life. 
Madeline Pryor was never intended to have a personality or a life, but did. She was created not to be a weapon, but to be a walking uterus. But like, it's it's the same. It's the same. And that's why I think the quiet count. And, and I, I also think that's why the story isn't over and we can talk, you know, like kind of like re- Get to the side. That's why I don't. That's why I don't think the story is over. Oh, I mean, that is just a Netflix special waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, my God. Yeah, I mean, I agree that the whole her and Nate, you know, Gray having that moment. That I, I think that was just for shock value, and it was just yeah, completely unnecessary. Um, no, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, I I don't you know think her story is over. And to kind of go back to the whole uh, issue about um you know, how she was brought back the second time uh, through, uh, is it, is it Archaea, Archaea? I don't know how to say her name, you know. Um, how, how I took it was, because she ordered Amora, the Enchantress, to bring the soul of Madeline Pryor back and put it in this, you know, body. And my thought was, okay, well, she must have magically reconstructed, you know, Madeline into her original form. You know, so with, you know, with what Amanda said that her story is not over, because I think that this is going to be a big, bigger issue later on about kind of like the hypocrisy of not, you know, bringing clones back, you know, you know, as it, as it said, you know, Grey Crow, you know, is a clone. Uh, And I, and I wanted to touch upon the, the Stepford Cuckoos as well, because they are, you know, pretty much clones of Emma Frost, you know, they pretty much, they are. But not yeah, even good I mean, clones are. like I Emma. Mean, they, they, they gave they her are. blonde hair, and they gave them blonde hair and blue eyes. Because, Emma has contacts and is brunette. Yeah, you know, and because what really got me though was you know saying they're denying Madeline you know resurrection because she's a clone, she's not considered human. It's like okay, well, then why did you bring Esme and Sophie back? You know, um, you know, it's just it, it, it's to me it's just so hypocritical, especially when here you are, you're trying to bring together you know a nation of mutants you know that have been marginalized and you know just hated upon and you want them to kind of have this equal standing with the rest of humanity but now you're kind of you know distancing people that are clones now i mean it's i, I don't know I, I don't like it it just it, it pisses me off especially um, when I, clones are are abused in this universe well, and they're victims yeah, they're they treated just kind of like a like a punching bag madeline has just pretty much been this big punching bag of life you know her entire life and i i just think but i yeah i i don't think i think we will see her again uh, i think yeah the whole issue of not bringing back because just going back to new mutants when you know honey badger was like well what happens if someone like me dies and rain's like oh don't worry you know you'll be brought back and she's like oh but you know you've got madeline Pryor. you know she's not back havoc said they're not going to bring her back because she's a clone and i kind of like how when she said you know you know, magic was like, you know, it shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, and, and yet then you have other characters are saying, well, because she did this. What, what was the quote? Um, I think magic even said it, you know, she broke, you know, laws before the, or something like that. Like she wasn't even part of Krakoa. Right. She, she was not bound to any of Krakoan laws because she was not even invited to, you know, to be among you all. And magic all these- doesn't have anywhere to stand either Boom. because magic is also a magical reconstruction yes. of a person. Exactly. Yes. It's not really you know, I- her, her. So it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. How is it that, you know, you're going to deny her any semblance of, of a life? I mean, my thing, get, oh my God, it's just like, please just bring it <laughs> I, yeah. so, so 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 to kind of like like you know like go go off that 
I feel like the the conversation is going to keep happening in the books of like, why is Madeline Pryor not coming back? Why is Madeline Pryor not coming back? And I think we're going to get like a flashback to the, hopefully the quiet council, like sitting there and talking and like, we're going to find out why, why she's really not coming. Like why they specifically said she's not coming back. And then this is the answer. We're going to go give Cyclops to go tell Havoc. Because, I, that, because that's the other thing too. Like Havoc doesn't get the news from the quiet council. Right. They tell Scott to go tell Havoc. Yeah. So they tell Scott some, I think something completely different to have him go tell Alex. But yeah. So, but I, I have to say the one thing I, I appreciate about all the things y'all just mentioned is, you know, that it is honey badger or scout or whatever, whatever they want us to call her these days. Right. I'm, I'm going to call her honey badger forever, but at least they're teaching Madeline Pryor's history to the children on Capella, exactly. right? Exactly. They know who she is. So, so in in that kind of vein, and I kind of talked about it before, like um, you know, when talking to friends about Madeline Pryor, because obviously, you know, I've been like working on these looks and everything. You're like, wait, who is this? And I'm like, oh, blah blah blah. You know, that whole 20 minute recap that we just had. Um, <laughs> and people are like, oh, like no, she's and I'm like, no, she's never been in a cartoon. She's never been in a movie. She's like, th <laughs> even though this story is, she is an iconic X-Men crossover, no one has adapted it into any into anything else. So no, no one does know who Madeline Pryor is. So at least they're talking about her on Krakoa, I guess. That, you know, that's why I told that's why I told Dayspring. I said, How awesome would it have been had like the X-Men Days of Future Past film ended with Wolverine, you know, walking up to uh, you know, Gene and saying her name and then she turns around and says it's me madeline i mean oh. i get why they they Dream, that would be a fucking gag i would have just as like, a fan girl out. i would have like melted like into my thing and like screamed so hard and again yes. ben, ben would looked at me and been like what yeah <laughs> so, 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 and we made um, the 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 meme from that and it's on our instagram but demanda just to reiterate one point that we got from larry houston he said to us when Gene read mm -hmm. Cable's mind in Time Fugitives, he saw she saw Madeline in there. And the reason why he did that was because he thought maybe later down the road they would explore, you know, his history, Inferno, mm -hmm. etc. And that would have been awesome. And I agree. I don't know why Inferno. Madeline well, it, so it definitely would have been complicated to try to do that since at that point they had yeah. already sort of like glazed over the. She was Phoenix, kind of went into the sun, and then she was Dark mm -hmm. Phoenix, and then was immediately resurrected by everyone else's souls at the <laughs> at the end of that episode. So it's like they they, they well because Jean is the heart and soul of the X Men, and now the yeah. X Men give a part so of then, their soul to give her <laughs> so life. Then, but, but, but then we, 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 we only got that one retcon episode of you know Cyclops meeting his like former friend at the orphanage, and you know we got Boom Boom and Skids and all of them in Purple Man in that one episode. Whiz that's Kid. Like, in Kid, um, in that kind of like retcon episode of the in-between Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Saga and Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, so it's like, we don't like, you would, you would think that if like Cyclops had a kid, like we would talk about that more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they would yeah. just be like, whatever. Like, like Storm would just be like, meet me at the monorail. She'd be like, Scott, <laughs> where's your baby? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it just seems like, you know, at the time, because, you know, not to kind of derail from the you know topic here, but if you remember the episode where they introduced Bishop into the series, 
and they're trying to figure out who was going to be the one to assassinate uh, Kelly. Um, Cyclops says, you know, well, it couldn't be Jean. And then she looks at him and says, of course it could. I've had my dark days or have you forgotten? And, you know, this was like what season one. So yeah. I don't think they really realized that they were going to do like the Phoenix saga, you know, then, or so to me, I took that as dark Phoenix had already been established, you know, in that mm-hmm. so which, you know, what it made sense then, you know, if they were going to kind of go back in Cable's history and, you know, introduce, you know, Madeline Pryor, you know, you know maybe in like flashbacks or like memory, you know, because they've already kind of established that, you know, history. But then, of course, you know, as we all know, they decide to adapt the Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix saga. So that kind of just... But like, retconning her turning the entire city of New York into a hell dimension, but the Sentinels are the first time that America realizes that there's mutants? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Questionable. Right. So, 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 so again, I, I understand why why Maddie is like a hard thing to like introduce if you're not like planning that from the beginning. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think they could have good point, Amanda. I think they could have really done that for like the Wolverine and X Men cartoon, where you know the opening shot, you know, like Jean goes missing. They could have probably maybe have kept her kind of gone for and introduce, you know, the, the Madeline character, and you know, if, but they, they, were, but they, they, they had such the hard on for the Emma Scott relationship, which. I do right, think is, right. is, is is a much better relationship for Scott because he, even though Gene and Madeline are both like domineering women, like Emma's like oh, the yeah. baddest bitch. So it's like she she's the only one who can be like all Gene now, now. <laughs> all your mouth. And Actually, we're go- but Flink, I'm curious about the second part of Maddie's history. Would I know you got feels? We've talked well, about this for like decades at this point. Well, yeah, for 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 almost a full decade. Well, y'all know I. I I try not to go off on, on too many tangents because, of course, there, there's always one brewing in, in this head of mine, uh, and this podcast could could quickly devolve into uh, to Flinkman's feels. But but I I do want to acknowledge, you know, one of if not the most uh, disappointing things to to be associated with 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 Madeline uh, would for me anyway is Brian Wood's use of her uh, in the second sisterhood arc because. You know, obviously, I don't think Brewbreaker and Fractions Sisterhood arc was any great shakes either. But you know, for me, that was mostly due to uh, bad writing and and a bad idea, kind of at kind of at the core of it. Whereas Woods Sisterhood arc was actually it was paced well. It had excellent buildup. The stakes were clear, uh, which is why I was like so disappointed with how things went down uh, in that last chapter. You're you're going to go through all the trouble of setting up bringing back Madeline and, and Celine for that matter. Um, who have a history her, together. Who have a history together. It, who have a history together. And, and I was nowhere. excited to see that that history in particular because I'm a huge fan of that 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 X-Men uh, solo series. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I read it as they set Madeline up in a new body that, that freed her from being like an exact physical copy of Jean Grey. Um, and, you know, her being that copy of Jean Grey is something that has certainly impacted her mental state ever since that that horrifying vision I mentioned that she had in the Outback. Um, so she's in a new body. She's separated from Jean. She has a fabulous Chris Anka costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you take all of that goodwill and all of that progress and just let it walk out the door and wow. and, and be forgotten for, for a better part of a decade. And then and then what just really kills me is 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 that when they do finally you know bring her back she's 
you know, whether we've debated whether or not she was in a different body, whatever, that's fine. But from my perspective, she was. So to have her come back in, in a clearly Jean Grey body, wearing the most reductive under boob costume that, that, that she has in her wardrobe. I, it, it's just, it just was so disappointing. And I, w- I would probably label that one of the most disappointing in all of X-Men comics for me, honestly. I gotta say to kind of, you know, uh, piggyback off you, I just think of all the potential storylines that, that they could have done with the return of Madeline, especially yeah. when you had the teen X-Men brought, you know, into the, the time, you know, and, you know, that interaction and just, yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the setup of, you know, potential new sisterhood was just so, it was awesome and exciting. And I, and I really wanted to see, you know, what they had in store for Madeline. And I was actually really worried too, because that whole, you know, inhuman versus X-Men thing and the whole Terrigen mist. And I'm like, Oh God, did they kill off Madeline by saying she was infected with the mist, you know, and all that, you know, bullshit. I love how you were worried for Madeline. I was, I really, because we hadn't seen her. Really, I really wanted to see what they were going to do with that story. You're like, I hope she's shelter in place. Exactly. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, if you see that damn green mist girl, go the other way. You know, I mean, you can fly, take, take, take up. But yeah, I mean, it just, it, it hurt. You know, I, I did. I was worried because I'm like, okay, they, you know, come back and say, well, she was a casualty. It's like, okay, F off. Come on. Yeah. Um, but just the potential storylines uh, that was really missed, you know, with that, yeah. and how they just kind of let it go. And years later, you know, you know, our time, you know, their time is probably like, what, like one year later. Right. But it's just, I, I hate it because it was just so much potential, so missed. And Right. And you know what I love hearing you say right now, Michael and Amanda and Regina, there's a lot of love for Madeline. We, we are very passionate Madeline fans. And I want let, to let's start asking some like fun questions. Yeah, because we can dwell on her trauma because there's extensive, extensive trauma, but there's also some good stuff in there, too. So so I'm I'll kick it off. I'm really curious. Uh, what is your, and a collective your, but we'll have you answer first, Regina, what is, uh, your favorite Maddie moment or storyline? You know, as we've known, even though she kind of just randomly pops up, there's so much story to her, but I really loved, um, in Fall of the Mutants when she was talking to, I think it's Jenny is her name. Jenny, Jenny Ransom. Yes. Yep. And, you know, she's telling her to be strong and I'm just like, Maddie, you you can be strong, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. listen to what you're saying to Jenny and you be strong. But, but she has this wonderful moment where they're telling her the, um, the captors are telling her that they're going to um, basically take her memory from her. And she says, I'll see you all burn first. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's one of my favorite moments. I really, I think about that a lot. Amanda, what about you? I mean, her fashion. Um, no, my my my, um, my my favorite is is honestly the um, Alpha Flight uh, X Men Asgardian Wars, where she again, like uh, Dayspring said, like she finally gets to actually become like her own character, her own person, um, sort of get that little bit of agency that she's been. So wanted to do because like again at that time they were really trying to be like no she's not Jean Grey this is you know she you know whatever and um, and yeah she she kind of like proved herself as like her own person. One of the moments that I, I loved is when finally you know during the Inferno saga, uh, you know Cyclops 
and you know the rest of X Factor are getting attacked by demons, and they see Madeline again with you know baby Nathan in her hands, and he's like you know Maddie, and she just and she says to him, "Don't call me that." And she's like, and he's like, no, what do we call you then? He's like, she's like, you call me your goblin majesty. <laughs> you know, it's just such, you know, such a, it was like, Fuck you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's like establishing really, you know, I mean, at the time it was very kind of like, you're going, you know, evil, but it was, her, you know, her, like, you know, this is me, you know, I, you know, you know, I'm your wife, but you know, now I'm a force and I'm going to really like fuck you over. Um, <laughs> but I mean, to me, I, I just, you know, I, I love, you know, the story, like, you know, what Regina said, you know, her talking to, you know, Jenny, um, telling her to be strong, you know, or, you know, Madeline, just having those moments of just, you know, being pregnant and giving birth, you know, just being human, you know, and just, uh, God, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. <laughs> it's easy to do. You have so many I mean, feels on there's Maddie. so many feels for Maddie. There. It is, you know, because I, I just, her just being, you know, is just, you know, enough and, I mean, she just had, she's just had so many moments and I just, yeah, anything that really heavily, you know, involves her to me, I'm all for it, good or bad. I'd rather it be good, but, you know. <laughs> when I think about her in her prime, I think Asgardian War. I said that before. I think it's a story 100% dedicated to Maddie. She is a top spoon and she really shines in it. and she has her own ability to heal people. And they really do look at her as a leader, as sort of this bringer of a new age. And I loved it so much. And it's such a, again, I had read the summaries of it, but I actually got to like read it like panel for panel. And, you know, she has, she's pregnant with baby Nathan in it. And it's so wonderful. And then, and then I love the Nate Gray era. I wish, you know, as Demanda said, they did not need to like say it was an evil clone or of gene from another universe or an yeah. evil gene from another universe. Yeah. She could have just gone off and that's it. None the wiser, but they went out of their way to retcon this. And I just love the idea of Madeline and Nate on the road, traveling the globe and getting into weird hijinks with Celine, the inner circle, Holocaust and other characters and making out and <laughs> making out. And by the way, and I love that, in that issue in X-Men 25, she was like, I don't want Scott, Jean. Scott is yours. I'm over it. Not only am I over it, I've been there, I've done that, and his little brother. And that's it. Boom, she's done. It's so, it was so empowering. And I, I remember seeing that, reading that when I was like in my teens and thinking like, this, this bitch is strong. Yeah. And I, I was proud of her. And I don't, I don't want to see Jean versus Madeline. But anyways, Blink, mm -hmm. what, what's your favorite? I mean, the the moment you just mentioned in in X Men twenty five when she confronts Jean is oh my god wait one... do we actually agree on a moment we agree that's one of my <laughs> favorites that's one of my favorites I would say it's between you know that her finally standing up for herself and being like I don't yeah. give a shit about what you think I give a shit but I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna echo Regina I think it's Fall of the Mutants before she has any of her Goblin Queen tendencies breakdowns whatever. Uh, where she is just Madeline, the person who makes, who decides to be a hero and make a, the noble sacrifice for for the for the good of the entire planet. Um, it's a huge moment, and I don't think that she has ever gotten the credit she truly. The X Men certainly got everyone's you know round of applause for everyone, but Madeline never really got the credit she deserves for for being a part of that. Well, yeah. you know, and let's kind of fall back again to what you to your point about her sacrificing herself along with the X Men to defeat the adversary. 
you know, that was a great moment. I mean, that self-sacrifice, uh, I mean, I think that, I mean, that really gets glossed over and to go back to uh, Dayspring, you know, talking about, you know, when she was anodyne, you know, for, it was great to actually see her interact with other, you know, characters outside the X-Men, especially, you know, yeah. her, you know, confronting, you know, her confrontation with Loki, you know, I thought that was, you know, yeah. awesome. Um, so and she held yeah. her own against Loki she and it did. was refreshing yeah. to see her interacting with characters and none of them were like, Oh my God, is that Jean? Because when she's right. first introduced at the wedding, Wolverine's wedding, every Lalandra is like ready to punch her thinking yeah. it's Jean mm-hmm. reborn. And it's like, no, this is just her own character. She was that one in the million shot that she looked like Jean and, and that's it. And people have accepted her. I, I mean, in Lalandra's defense. <laughs> Why are you always going to defend thought, these people? Because, because listen, because listen, I'm sorry. Maybe you haven't run into like your evil twin before, but I have. And like, <laughs> when you see somebody that you're like, bitch, you tried to kill me a couple times. <laughs> and you killed a billion of my people that I happened to rule a whole you fucking right. empire about. My We're gonna throw people. down. Like my you sort of stroll people. into this wedding? Absolutely not, bitch. Let me snap, snap. Like, no, let's go. Let me take my earrings out. Like, come on. And they're and they're like, no, Landra, that's Madeline. I would be like, who? Like oh. what? Like, <laughs> you know, and you and you know Madeline's like, look, I was just invited to come to a freaking wedding. <laughs> <laughs> She's here like, who's this Jean Grey you guys keep talking about? I mean, Do, should God. I know her? Should I know her? <laughs> Yo, I'm just trying to get married here. Right? I'm I'm right. Right. I don't know any of these people. I'm just trying to get wifed up here. Like, please. <laughs> yeah. like. She's, like, she's like, who's this bird lady? Why is she so bad? Uh, we know she's had uh, some memorable looks over the years. And Michael, you have uh, adapted basically all of them. So I'm going to throw it to you first, since you have spent in painstaking detail recreating these Maddie looks. Which one of them is your favorite? Look, I got to say, you know, I, I'm a sucker for the classics and um, Demanda, sorry. I mean, as much I, I do like the uh, Goblin Queen costume, but I just I love Flight Suit Maddie. Her first introduction. I mean, it's just that to me is just iconic. You know, that's us, you know, and that's why I put her in the center in that look. You know, that's how we were all introduced to her, yeah. you know, and I think she just she just rocked it. I mean, the hair was great. I mean, I loved it. Um yeah, that's yeah for me. I that's that's mine. I would love love this. I would love to see Marvel Legends do any you know Madeline Pryor you know figure in any look, but that would be pretty sweet if they put her in the um, iconic uh, flight suit. I have to say, I have to say, literally within like minutes of me and Dayspring completing our interview with Ryan Ting from the Hasbro team, oh. I get a message from Dayspring, basically all caps. We didn't ask about Maddie. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we did not I, and it's so weird that neither one of us would have because we love madeline so much and we were planning this episode you know <sighs> it's uh, a yeah. it's a fail we apologize to to all of our <laughs> listeners and our panel today just, just get like the the dark phoenix head and like give it a new paint deco and a new body no maddie it's, it's deserves okay. her own it's all right i'm not gonna raise a demonic army okay <laughs> <laughs> she, she needs her own head sculpt well yeah an alt head with a paul smith wig <laughs> yes Right there. Anyway. So, Re- Regina, what is what is your favorite Maddie look? Well, you know, I love that Goblin Queen costume. I know it is terrible in some ways, but I love it. It's the way I was introduced to her, and it's incredibly sexy. And she just owns that shit. Like, yeah. you know, she's not being prudish. She's just like, look, this is me. 
this is my insanely sexy body. Look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go for it, girl. Look. Um, I do want to mention, um, I, I help uh, run a House of Goblin Queen group. And I went on a Maddie dump last week. Like I just <laughs> found all of this stuff. <laughs> I was just loved it. Like within an hour. Um, Dima Ivanov did a reimagining of some of her costumes and um, he kind of con- he kind of combined the Goblin Queen costume with some of her other looks and it just looks amazing and I would love to see that actually adapted when she inevitably returns um, because it does kind of combine the best of her Goblin Queen costumes with some of the other costumes that she's had and I just loved it so I wanted to throw that out there. Well, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I gave a little bit of, threw a little shade at the Goblin Queen costume earlier, uh, just because I think, I think to, 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 to bring her back in it, it, it just felt wrong to me, but don't, do not get me wrong. I love, I mean, I love that look. I love that look, but Demanda, you are, you're all Paul Smith out today. <laughs> is that your favorite look or do you have- So something? no, my actual favorite look is Anodyne. Like- oh, yeah. I am a sucker for a stupid headpiece. Like, I don't know (laughs) what it is about superhero women, but they love a dumb headpiece that is completely impractical, completely blocks your peripheral vision. As someone who owns many and has worn many cosplays with a dumb headpiece, they're stupid. Like you literally (laughs) can't see around. You're like doing this to like look around (laughs) stuff. It's, it's just my favorite because it's so dumb. The color scheme is crazy. She's got slit all the way up to to her, like to the top of her thighs. And it like that weird chunky arm, but, but then like the dynasty shoulders. Yes. And then like, it's just like all free flowing fabric. I'm like, That's I can't wait to get like 10 yards of just like pink <laughs> to, like, uh, to just like drape over my body. It's, it's such a, du- so when I say dumb, I mean like ridiculous and fantastic oh, yeah. and I love it. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. it is so dumb. So like si- si- side note, like, uh, so Dax and I are obviously like best friends and we are chat, you know, we chat all the time. And so like, anytime we come across looks that we think the other should do, we send it and just like, so dumb, it's you. And <laughs> like, there's like, so like my, my sort of like, Aesthetic is like dumb headpiece, completely impractical. Dax's cats, like anything with a cat, and it, it, it's Dax. Um, but uh, like that anodyne suit is just so, so dumb. Well, I think I speak for for every member of our panel right now when I say I cannot wait to see you with that <laughs> dumb headpiece. Right. Yes, do that, do that. Like, uh, yes. So, Dayspring, what about what about you? What's your favorite look for our girl? You know, I think the Mutant X Marvel Woman look, I love that. I love it. I think it's sexy. I think it's practical. And I think it's emblematic of Maddie being her own person. That being said, though, I love, you know, the X-Men number 25 look she has. I think she looks really great. She's Is not that where it's kind up. of mesh in places? No, it's it's kind of like a it's like a leathery zip up thing that okay, she's yeah. having, and and yeah. she's you know she's dressed for the weather, <laughs> and <laughs> I just think like again it's it's sexy without being so a victim to, of the male gaze. Talking about her mutant X look, 
Did anyone else feel like it be it was really weird that all of a sudden Polaris was wearing a very <laughs> similar costume when Havoc woke up from the Mutant X universe? Oh, like, look at that. that! And like she's had like the bat that was like wrapped mm-hmm. around. Oh yeah, yeah. And and, it, and like some people are like, oh, this is the best Polaris look. I'm like, it's a good Maddie look. <laughs> um, exactly. Like oh. it, 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 ju- it just struck me as very interesting that it was like as soon as soon as Havoc like comes back into the um, into the regular six one six, Polaris is wearing his wife's outfit and then tries to you know wife him up and then you know tries to kill him. Um, That's why Nurse Nurse Annie was a better choice. There we go. Nurse Annie was a better choice. We are not doing (laughs) it again. Never. Justice for Nurse Annie. Gross. (laughs) Who? Thank you. Michael, I I I was hoping you would take my side on this. No. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, no shade against Annie, but I mean, she's just she was just there and gone. I'm like, peace. Okay, 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 okay. But, we, we, we don't have to, I'm not going to go into Nurse Annie. Regina had to suffer through it before in our last episode. Uh, Flinkman, I see, um, you know, you got the Emma Frost, uh, Grant Morrison back there. I do. You know, I know people like to rag on Maddie for that costume, but if Emma Frost can get away with wearing something like that at a school full of prepubescent boys... Madeline, ha- Madeline has a uh, wow. Absolutely, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Emma. Fr- but the thing is, Emma Frost has always worn that. Like she's always worn that nonsense. Like she's always done it. I did not like the implication that Maddie, when she finally like gains her like agency and like what it is that she wants to do, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden my boobs need to come out. <laughs> like, I, like, like I, I understand like the female empowerment of like, girl, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. Don't you know? Don't tell anybody like different. Like you can do whatever you want. But it's like there's this weird implication that when a girl becomes evil, she needs to have her her tits out. I agree. Um, whereas I, whereas I'm like with Emma, she's like, oh no, I am like peak superheroine and run a school for superheroes. And you know what? My tits are still fully out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Regina, what do you think about all this? You know, I can see both sides of the story, but at the same time, it, I mean, obviously it was created to kind of cater to the male gaze, mm-hmm. but I do find like in real life, you know, we have pop stars who, and I'm not going to call anybody out, Jewel, <laughs> where they kind of present themselves in like one way and then they reach a certain level of popularity and then all of a sudden it's like TNA everywhere and glitter and you know all of this stuff I do think that when you especially when you're a a woman who is still figuring out who you are you kind of have to experiment with what look makes you feel good and I it was kind of funny because about um, 10 years ago I moved and sometimes I have a very odd sense of fashion. So I went through this period where I was wearing like giant baggy clothes, like big baggy pants and big sweatshirts. And, you know, I mean, it was fine. And then one day I just started wearing like more skin tight clothes, not like just skanky, but just, you know, just like fitted shirts. And everybody was like, oh my God, we had no idea you were that small. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I was just like, what are you talking about? They were like, well, you were wearing like these big baggy clothes for a long time. And I was just going through a phase where, you know, I just wanted to feel less constricted. And now I'm in a phase where, you know, I, I'm busty and you're going to see my bust, (laughs) you know? And if that's how I feel that day, then that's what I'm going to wear. So as a comic book character, it is problematic that we do have these times where these female characters are supposed to be, you know, evil and sexy. Um, But I think it works for her. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of, you know, the whole mess that is Madeline. And I love the mess. I love it. (laughs) So thinking about those tropes and everything regarding Madeline and how they've regressed with her recently, is there a favorite writer that's written Maddie for you guys? And I'm going to kick it off with you, Michael. Which writer out of everyone that's written her do you think nailed her? So, you know, that's a, it's a great question. And actually, I did have a writer in mind that has not actually written her that I would love to see, you know, take her on. Um, I mean, you know, I guess, but to answer your your question, I mean, I think, you know, Chris Claremont, you know, had a good intention, you know, with her in the beginning. And it's unfortunate that it didn't span out how he wanted to, but I think he wrote her, you know, pretty well, even when going through the whole, you know, Goblin Queen and whatnot. I mean, he really wrote her strong. However, X-Men Red is probably one of my you know favorite uh, runs. And I love how, you know, Tom Taylor, you know, wrote, you know, Jean Grey after she had returned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he captured so well. So I would love to see him actually tackle, you know, Madeline Pryor. That would be great. You know, kind of like, you know, kind of writing like a, a mirror story. of like, he, To me, he would be a good redemptive writer for her character. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think, you know, and as, you know, I, I think he would, he would just really, I think he would know what to do with her and just really propel her, you know, and make her really stand out and more than really what she's been, you know, portrayed as so that's yeah that's who i think tom taylor <laughs> i agree demanda um so it's like someone who has written her i think it's chris claremont like Absolutely. he he had he had a full intention of what it is that he wanted to do and then it's like oh by the way we gotta like kind of get rid of her like she's kind of a problem now and i think he did his best in my opinion to like get rid of her in a way that yes made her evil so so that way we you know get rid of her but also like you know we've all talked about like it really wasn't her fault like she yeah. she was really just trying to figure out like all of this terrible shit that was happening to her and make the best decision and like you know I, I think again Regina made a really good point she thought it was a dream listen I don't know if you guys have fought aliens in your dreams but, <laughs> every night um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's like, you know, you make the choices in your dream to be like, you know, you know what? yeah, I want to be a badass. I want to, you know, like, you know, do whatever. So it's like, she, I don't think that she fully intended to go down the, the goblin queen route and, you know, throw her kid into the fires of hell. But, you know, again, it, that wasn't really necessarily his choice, but it's, 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 what, it's what we got. And I think he did the best with what he could do. And yeah. did you, is there a writer that you would like to see tackle Maddie? I Reign mean, of I, X era? Get, get, give my old girl Cena the book. Like, girl, let's, let's just see. I don't know. Let's make a party. I don't know. We love Cena. Um, How about you, Regina? How about you, Regina? Um, you know, Claremont made the blueprint. And mm-hmm. I think he did, Claremont was a master storyteller. Yes. Um, 
I would have to say that besides Claremont, I really loved what Howard Mackey did with her in Mutant X. Yes. And I think that the way that she was presented in Mutant X makes it clear there is something sinister, quote unquote, you know, pardon the pun, (laughs) going on. But it was also made clear later in the story that it wasn't her fault. And it was a much more sympathetic portrayal than I think what we get from the 616 universe. Um, so I really did enjoy what happened with Mutant X. Um, I wish we'd gotten a little more from it, but for what it was, I, I, I loved the way it was handled just so gently there, I guess you would say, um, as for who I would like to take for her in a new direction, I would have to say Vita Ayala. I think that Vita Mm. would do an amazing job of bringing her back and bringing her back in a way that would give her a redemptive arc. You know, we know that she doesn't have to come back out the gate, you know, this brand new, oh, I did some terrible shit. Now I'm ready to redeem myself. Vita could take her on a journey to where we could see her really develop and really bloom and really um, show her contrition and show a new sense of agency for her. I think Vita would be perfect for that. I, you stole my answer 100%. I was going to call out Claremont. I was going to call out Howard Mackey. And I was going to say, uh, Vito is absolutely the best person to just, just that little seed that they have already uh, given us in, in New Mutants, you know, was more than enough for me to be like, this is, this is the writer for Madeline, for sure. I agree. Vita is my top choice. Uh, and I agree with all the answers, especially Chris Claremont. I was just going to throw in Jeff Lowe because I love what happened with Nate and Maddie being her own person, going off, having her own adventures with. But then what was his point of them making out? I'm oh. sorry to say it again. <laughs> you know, the what X-Men the are point? incestuous. I don't know. Not actually. <laughs> Make more mutants. <laughs> it's a rule. It's a rule. You wouldn't know if you were invited, Maddie, to. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Oh, my gosh. The shade. Oh, the shade. So, okay. Wait, but Flink, you have a custom Maddie figure, don't you? I have I have a couple of things I could I could show off, actually. I do. You know, I've mentioned that the, the Chris Anka look is my favorite. So, of course, I had my my dear friend Stem Cell Toys uh create a, a Maddie for me is my light too bright. Yes, wow. that is nice. Is fabulous. I stole the the little demon Lockheed from uh from magic, but my my I guess this isn't exactly a Madeline memorabilia, but it sort of is. I, I was blessed with the opportunity to to meet Chris Anka and to get uh, a commission from him. And of course I'm obsessed with his look for Maddie and I'm obsessed with Havoc. Uh, so I was like, so Chris, what would uh, Havoc look like if, if Maddie corrupted him, uh, you know, under, under your pen? And so I had him do this lovely, lovely little update of the Goblin Prince. Oh, uh, wow. Beautiful. And you took that to the framers. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorites. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a really sexy piece, but if you, you, you can't really tell the detail on it here, but just the amount of detail, like in this leather to make it look shiny and patent, it's, it's an incredible piece. It's an incredible mm. piece. Thank I you. Thank you for asking. Nice. All right. <laughs> Um, so guys, we only have like two questions left and I'm going to throw it to Flink. 
Yeah. So we've sort of talked about, you know, who we would want to, to resolve uh, the current Madeline predicament. Um, and, I, you know, I, I want to hear from all of you, you know, sort of how, how you would like to, to, to see her arc play out and how we would like it to resolve. But I have a, a specific question uh, for Regina that I would like to ask first. Um, because you, you're the only one among us that is a mother, obviously. Um, how would you resolve a plot like a mother trying to kill her own child? What is your thoughts on that? No, the thing about it is that Cable doesn't really remember it. He knows that it happened, obviously. But Madeline did not give him up of her own free will. And I think that what started back in, what, what was it, cable number 50, when she says to him, you know, the, the happiest times of my life were here in this cabin with you. Yeah. Um, Madeline has a wide array of powers that are distinctly different from Jean. Yeah. I don't see why she can't share those maternal feelings that she had with cable. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying she should force him into accepting it but you know there there is a way that she could pull him into the astral plane and just kind of share with him look this is what happened to me it wasn't my fault but I take responsibility for it we need to make it up to each other because I know that what happened was awful and it hurt you and I was never given the opportunity after that to, to make amends or to really be your mother. That was something that, again, was stolen from me. Yeah. Can we rebuild this? Right now, we have a whole arc with young Cable. Let's bring Maddie back yeah. and develop something with young Cable that older Cable will at some point remember and resolve it that way. Why can't we do that? I would love to see that. And, 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 and like I said earlier, I feel like, again, they need to all sit down together yes. and, talk, oh my and, and talk through all of this. And again, and talk about how complicated all of this is, because yeah, even, because, you know, because even Rachel, um, you know, recognizes that um, Cable is my brother. Like she's the one that she reached out to, to, you know, get her from, you know, that far flung future, you know, whatever, like, they, they all recognize that we are a family. Um, so, so it's kind of like, well, we need to then, and they've all done horrible, awful things, horrible. killed lots of different people, you know, all, you know, all, all that stuff. So it's like, what, and, and, you know, to your point, like, why aren't they then giving her the opportunity yep. to then yeah, have that same, have that same sort of like, do you know what? Yeah. And also did Madeline ever actually kill anybody? Like on panel during Inferno, I don't think she did. I don't I think so. I can't recall specific. either. I can't recall she. I mean, she had full intention of killing everyone. Fair, yeah. Like, 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 yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But 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 I don't think she actually killed anyone. Yeah, when when Honey Badger's like she or excuse me, whoever said it in New Mutants that like she did bad things. I mean, like again, like as everyone has I said, mean, who hasn't who turned has New York it? into a hellscape? Like, like honestly. Like, come on, we can forgive that. But but um, but, 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 but it's like the, for whatever reason, and again, there's gotta be there's gotta be a reason other than she's a clone, she did bad things, that they're not bringing her back. And I feel like that's something that hopefully 
before editorial changes their goddamn mind that we're actually going to see why yeah, they, 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 they don't want her back. I, and I feel like, you know, to kind of piggyback off that is, you know, it just kind of popped in my head is that maybe the reason why they're not bringing her back or wanting to bring her back is to keep her away from, you know, uh, teen cable for some reason, you know, to kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know what would they would have, uh, what, what that would be, but maybe it's on purpose somehow that, that they don't want him kind of interacting with her in some way. And by the way, my larger note with Maddie was how fast her story developed in Uncanny. They introduce her and the next time we see her, she and Cyclops are dancing, you know, in the moonlight and already in love. And then she gets pregnant. And then the next issue, she has a baby. And it, it, it felt when I read it retrospectively, how quickly her narrative just went through. And yet at the same time, here we are two and a half hours later <laughs> with so much. So, guys, thank you so much. I'm sorry we kept you so long. No, no, it's, this, is, this is awesome. Madeline is a very keen conversation because <laughs> uh, we have so much love for her and it's a character we want to see brought back and done correctly. But Flink, do you have any other questions for our team here? Well, I think the, just just the last thing that that, that I want to say is like I think I think all of you were kind of in agreement about if she does come back, you want to see her um, sort of move past this this vengeance that she has and, and sort of get a seat at the table with everybody. And and you know, for the longest time after she was she was shot in Hellions, I was like right there with you. I wanted her to get get brought back, hang out on Krakoa with everybody, but. The more that I kind of thought about it, the more I realized that she's still kind of owed this big, bad revenge story. And like every single time she's tried, she hasn't really gotten very far. So I think, I think, I think it'd be interesting before we get to the nicer, calmer, redeemed Maddie. I think I'd like to see her as like the big mutant bad guy of the Krakoan era because all the other mutant bad guys are, are chilling with them. So you know, they're all sitting there around the campfire singing Kumbaya. So like give her something unique and different to do and let her have some semblance of victory because she has been so personally wronged by these people. And I think the only way that you can move her forward uh, would be to let her actually have that moment and to actually overcome the feelings that have defined her for so long. So the true definition of insanity is doing the same thing <laughs> But, in, but expecting a different result. Yes. So, so her continually asking for <clears throat> revenge and not getting it, it's like, girl, it didn't work that way. So <clears throat> I, think, I, I think maybe like to like combine the two ideas, I think maybe her being like, boom, I'm coming to her Krakoa, I'm gonna blow shit up. But actually I just really need to have this, this talk. Like, yeah. She just needs to be shown as capable like, to be yeah, honest. We, we, we just need, she, she like storms through the place, throws like random <laughs> and brisket and you know all just out of the way like i do not have time for the nonsense children to like get to like where those people are you know maybe full quiet counsel and she's like okay so i'm not fighting anymore promise i'm not gonna kill anybody but let, i need to talk i got something to say let's talk it out and then i need to talk to my freaking kid and all of his weird ass relatives and, and Demanda, Thanksgiving. Demanda, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I love your idea of the Summers clan sitting down, being like, We're all we're all terrible people. Let's resolve our issues. And, and Madeline, is right there, and yeah. he also killed like galaxies. Like, come on. <laughs> okay, but can we at least have that conversation on like the astral plane so that there's some cool shit happening? 
Because you like, know she's probably there right now. She's it's there hanging out. A, a psychic ghost on the astral <laughs> yes. plane, just chilling. Now, what I would love, really, we know that there are problems on Krakoa. I would love for Maddie's psionic essence to come back, hook up with Mystique. Mystique's ready to burn shit down because she wants her wife back and she still yeah. ain't got her. Yeah. Sabretooth is in a hole in the ground after killing people on a mission that he was sent on, yep. that he completed successfully, just had to take out a couple of people on the way. And then you retroactively say, oh no, we can't kill humans. And, you know, Sabretooth is a shitty person. He has done some terrible shit, but damn, did he have to be sealed up in Krakoa for all of eternity? Madeline needs to bust his ass out. Her and Mystique and Sabretooth just needs to go yes. on a rampage. And then at the end, Baby Cable comes along and says, hey, I know you're my mom. Let's hash this out somewhere else while everybody else is fixing this mess that Sabretooth and Mystique have done. Yeah. Let's me and you have a heart to heart. And then the rest of the Summers clan can come along again on the astral plane while everything else is burning. Let Colossus and everybody put those fires. <laughs> the <laughs> Summers clan meets up makes their peace, and then let's move forward. You know, I was kind of hoping, you know, a res- resolution, though, was like, you know, maybe Maddie isn't really dead, dead, that, you know, because she's powerful, we know she is, and I would like to have, like to think that she knew Grey Crow was going to come for her, and that she used her power to kind of create this, you know, illusion of her being there, and make everyone think that he had killed her, and that she's off somewhere else to the side. But to kind of play it to your point, what if she maybe already has done that with the mental thing? When she touched Havoc's face to heal him, what if she placed, you know, maybe her consciousness in his mind, and it's kind of in the back burner for now? That you know, and they got no choice now. They have to resurrect her. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that she's just waiting. I mean, they could easily resurrect her by just using, you know, Jean's body, you know, her DNA to her back in you know i mean but i i just i was just kind of thinking what if that is kind of like a case that maybe will come to fruition later on that she's kind of already there just in back of havoc's mind just waiting yeah i like that and the other question i i was wondering is if they're like oh we're not resurrecting clones does this mean they haven't been backing up clones is maddie backed up presumably she is if they had to have that conversation i mean i would like to think that they were well, I mean, like, does she get part of Jean's resurrection protocol? I mean, these are, again, I, I wish editorial would just delineate the rules I, for us. That's a great question. And I, and I would like to say yes, because since they brought, you know, Esme and Sophie back, um, then sure. And Esme's a villain, by the way. Yes. Esme exactly. killed more people than, than Maddie. Yes. Wait, exactly. I mean, look, wouldn't she the one that she caused? I can't think of who had the She caused the riot. Yeah. She, yeah, she's she the one that the you know, caused Emma to shatter into all these yes. diamond pieces. No. So, and she's she not that, a good person, which is why so. I'm your <laughs> Hey, look, I think if anybody needs a vengeance story, let's not forget poor Lee Forrester, who was seeing Cyclops oh at the time. And, yes. and, and, and how funny is that, you know, that the very issue that Madeline is introduced in, you know, he... And he's walking along the beach with her. The moment he sees Madeline, Lee who? See you, bitch. <laughs> Again, Lee he leaves also. a post-it on, on her on her <laughs> ship's wheel. Sorry, exactly. relax. Exactly. Wait, I, mean, he just, I mean, he also got Colleen Wing's apartment key. And he's like, wait, right. wait. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jean's back. Bye. I mean, Cyclops, <laughs> Cyclops resume. Good at leaving girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just He's... he's both hot and terrible. Yeah, 100% <laughs> agreed. Guys, this was such a wonderful 
three hour conversation. This is awesome. She deserves it. Jesus. I told y'all last episode. I love getting her drag and talking nerd shit. No, and I'm this sorry, is perfect. I talk a lot. No, you, you guys, all of you, brought such really great, wonderful opinions and and thoughts and passion that Flink and I could never do on our own. But before we go, let's see where the folks at home can find you. Regina, let's start with you. Where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Red Queen of X, and on Facebook at the House of Goblin Queen. And what about you, Michael? You can find me on Instagram at, at mdbrower81 and on Twitter at mikebrower81. And Miss Amanda. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just recently TikTok because All right. she's, she's one of the kids now. She's so young. Um, at Demanda Martini, D-M-A-N-D-A-M-A-R-T-I-N-I. Uh, so come enjoy. Uh, I do have some some new fun. I have one summers that's coming up. Another summers uh, '80s Rachel nonsense. And yes, I can't I wait still, to see that. And I still haven't um, premiered Vertigo yet. So so th- those are upcoming looks for you guys. And listeners, we do have a two-parter with Demanda Martini, which is a WandaVision variety hour. So check that out right now. And folks, as always, I'm the Uncanny Dayspring. And I'm the Adjective Linkman. We'll see you all next week. Peace out.